do things. What? I thought we weren't starting yet. <laughs> well, Mark started recording, so. Fuck was that? Intro music. Intro <laughs> music. Oh, that's <laughs> is that your version of? Uh... I am. Yeah, well, I you. I am everywhere. <laughs> That's probably better than the actual <laughs> intro music, but sure, sure. I would know because there, apparently you so. actually listened to one of our episodes and found out that Mark is planning to send you a, a, Don't a present. Don't <laughs> 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 You don't want you don't want a shape of water dildo. No, five of them. Stitched, I mean, I'm uh, curious, but I don't want it. <laughs> Your shape of water, curious. <laughs> I think that's I think that's probably like an, a, a new like registered sexuality after that movie. Yeah. It's like I'm hydro curious. Yeah. Up until that movie <laughs> until that movie I was straight, but now I'm shape of water curious. Well, I'm sure it was there because of like yeah. Abe Sapien, because that character was just yeah. Abe Sapien. So I mean I'm sure somebody wanted to have sex with an amphibian man before Shape of Water. I think now it's just like we can like we can use shape of water as like the name for the fetish, I guess, as opposed to, I want to have sex with a amphibian fish man (laughs) or, you know, a giant ambulatory bird man, like in Christie's case, I guess. Oh, that's why you were going to send me five. Yes. That's, that was the joke. (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad that you're the comp, the comedian out of the bunch of us. I had to explain like, that's the joke. The, right. There's that bad joke, the ones that you uh, that you have to explain. Oh God, my! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they were really expensive, <laughs> so I wasn't going to send you five if there wasn't a joke that would be the point of oh, it. Jesus! I did anyway, see Deep of Water though and enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a good movie, right? I think yeah, so. I'll probably tell my mom not to watch this week's episode because she did watch or, or sorry, listen to this week's episode. She did listen, listen to, to last week's episode uh, on uh, on musicals and she sent me like a bunch of like notes to it i was like you do realize you could have put these on facebook but i guess maybe she didn't want to like embarrass me or whatever although although karen karen doesn't seem to care that's so wow. sweet that's, no no i was just gonna say that must be nice how does that feel <laughs> yeah nah, Not karen's great <laughs> your mother posting a bunch of random karen, shit on who facebook. is now friends with yeah karen who is now friends with all three all of us co-hosts of dance robot dance on facebook yeah, yeah. Ta- tagging us like yep. crazy and stuff, keeping us abreast of all the things that we're missing. I yeah, love. I it. love it when Mark's mom keeps me abreast of things. <laughs> all right, everybody, welcome to Dance Room. You're not Dance even hosting this episode. You don't get to do that. I think I wrote. <laughs> I don't think. Uh... <laughs> Wait, is, am I not hosting? Is it your turn to it host? It is my turn to host. You hosted. Uh... Well, you you hosted uh, Justice League. Oh, I thought it was me. All right. Oh, that's right. We always flip the Marvel and DC movies. <laughs> we seem always. to, yeah. Not, not on purpose, but... No, not at all, but we definitely do. Good. <laughs> then uh, why don't you start the episode and stop talking about my fucking Chris, mom? How does that sound? Chris, Christy hosted musicals last week. So, yeah, welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance, <laughs> our uh, weekly podcast that is definitely PG-rated, right? No, no. I just spent... No, fuck you. I just spent an hour looking for news, so no, it's not PG-rated. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Well, we can we can share the news then. Uh, not not that there was very much this week, but uh, yeah. So this week we're going to be talking about uh, the biggest cultural phenomenon sweeping the nation. Um, so it's probably a good thing that there's not a whole lot in the way of news because I'm feeling we're all going to have quite a bit to say uh, and jerk off over this week's meat of the episode. 
It's Christy's favorite term, <laughs> I know. Meat. Yeah, jerk, jerk your meat. So this week we do have our usual crew back with us. We have uh, myself, Tim. I'll be hosting this episode. We have Christy with us, eating as usual. What's up, what's up? Hey, 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 hey. You didn't have to tell them. They would have heard it themselves. <laughs> yeah, they would have heard yeah, the Yeah, they definitely would have heard the fucking the spoon clinking. It's the, yeah. it's Mark I'm trying to be so quiet. I'm trying to be so quiet. I failed <laughs> yeah, so far, but I'm trying to be so yeah, quiet. You, yeah, you fail every week, Christy, and that's why we love you. <laughs> and obviously, I, didn't, I didn't eat last week. Oh, wait, I did. No, I didn't. I waited no, I at the end. I waited till the end. And I, no, last week was full. last week we did a four person podcast that involved musicals, so that was its own special kind of hell. <laughs> Thankfully, you were. And, true enough. True enough. We got a lot of response on that, so obviously people liked it. So I, I guess we're, that just means we're going to have to do more episodes about musical and musicals and theater. Mark, that blew my mind. <laughs> I'm just really glad I have another podcast that I can do that I can concentrate on when yeah. you guys start talking about musicals. So, so yes, we obviously have Mark tonight, and actually, I uh, I listened to you guys' first episode today while I was out on calls, and <sighs> I was very impressed with your debut episode. It was uh, it was quite engaging. Your debut. Your debut. Thank you. Your your debut is phenomenal. Yeah, we had fun. Thank you. Thank <laughs> I, you. Well, I we had fun. Do it. Um, yeah, we know. We figured you that you would be the you would be the one who lagged, and I'm getting flipped off again. <laughs> We've been online for all of about ten minutes, and Christy has flipped us off like three times. So went really well tonight. Yeah. So I will. And she's not even really on camera. <laughs> yes, I so. am. I move. I do. Yeah, you are. Now. I do have some uh, some comments on the episode, so I will go over to the side A side B Facebook page. Maybe after we finish recording here and. Give, give you guys my uh, my comments and my opinions on the uh, albums that you covered. But if our listeners aren't already and you're you know music nerds like Mark and myself and to a limited extent Christy are, then uh, go listen to Christy. <laughs> go listen to uh, Side A Side B, our our new sister podcast. Uh, I look forward to to the to the teased episodes that I'm apparently going to be on, or else well, I'll pitch a fit. You'll uh, I knew you would pitch a fit if I didn't mention it, so I figured. <laughs> For- for having me on OK Computer? Yes. Yeah. I figure eventually we'll have to do a Weezer episode, and I can't not do that with you, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, I could I could pick apart that uh, Pinkerton album for hours. There's yeah. so so much fucking like little bits of cool nuance and trivia and stuff like that on that album, so... That's Anyways. why I name-dropped you, asshole. How does that sound? <laughs> that's, uh, that's not what we're talking about this week. But first, before we get to our meat of the episode, let us get to our weekly news. Mark, would you like to go first, since you did prepare some news? No, that's okay. You go ahead. I'm I'll, fine. I'll supplement. I'm fine. No, <laughs> All you, right. go ahead. you go ahead. You go ahead. I'll, go, I'll go first, and then you. I think Mark lied. He didn't actually prepare anything. <laughs> I do. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tabs open. <laughs> um, now he's just yeah. showing off. Uh, yeah. One of the, one of the most interesting pieces of news that I saw this week is another Marvel TV series in the work, but a really obscure one. I mean, we've had some obscure ones already, but this one is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Uh, yeah. Is sort of, I mean, Devil Dinosaur is like a really old school, like campy Marvel character. Um, and I know fucking nothing about Moon Girl except that she's like a nine year old black girl. But apparently they had a yeah, really, a really a well-received uh, miniseries or like short-run series or something like that, and they're making looks like an animated. I can't tell if it's an, yeah, an animated show based on uh, that series or that uh, miniseries. Yeah, I sincerely doubt they're making a live-action <laughs> Devil Dinosaur. Hey, TV we already show. got old lace. They've already figured out how to do a pretty realistic yeah, that's dinosaur. True. That's true, but a but a uh, a giant. <laughs> it's basically uh, Clifford if it was talking. a dinosaur. Yeah, pretty much. Clifford yeah. the big red dinosaur. Yeah, it's pretty much actually that's not 
too, too far off. He does have a really interesting cameo at the end of Next Wave that if you're a Next Wave fan, I'll just let you chuckle about Devil Dinosaur showing up in that and the rest of you can go fucking read Next Wave like you should have before. But yeah. it's pretty funny. No, it's a comic book from like 2006 that Warren Ellis wrote. It was it's pretty funny. But Devil Dinosaur okay. does factor into that. That's the only exposure I actually have to Devil Dinosaur is like the last two issues of Next Wave. So I don't know anything about the character or is it Moon Girl? Moon Girl the other yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that's going to be about. But Marvel's just, you know, they're just turning everything into TV mm-hmm. shows now. So good for Devil Dinosaur to get its own little shot. So. Yeah. I mean, we don't generally, you know, not, I don't think any of us really watch any of the Marvel or DC, like any of the comic book animated shows right now. There are some that I would like to, but there's just so much live action stuff that, you know, I'm going to, I'm an adult. I'm going to watch the live action stuff. I'm going to watch the live action comic book TV shows instead of the animated comic book TV shows because I'm an adult. Exactly. Because I'm, an, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s, and that's totally reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of live-action uh, Marvel series, we got a teaser for uh, an Aubrey Plaza teaser for Season 2 of Legion, which got a release date of April 4th. I just posted this. Oh, uh, April 3rd, uh, which I just posted on our Facebook page. So, yeah, that looks... I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming back. I haven't seen Legion yet. <laughs> it's maybe the one that I think you would appreciate the most out of the Marvel TV series because it is the most sort of indie barely and Marvel. yeah, barely Marvel. And it's got Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords in it. <gasps> and it's 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 the most and sort Aubrey of Plaza. Yeah, and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, like it's the most kind of like alternative. Exactly. It's the most sort of like indie, you know, offbeat of any of the comic book series that we have available right now. And it's got Matthew from Downton Abbey. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen Downton Abbey. Alicia has, but I haven't. Is he the lead? He was. Oh. Not in Downton Abbey, Christy. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't get through two episodes of that show. I made me want to put a gun in my mouth. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Someday maybe. But... I only watched up to the end of ep- uh, season two because it was a happy ending. And I was like, oh, that's enough. They can live happily ever after. I'm done. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, you should watch more. And I'm like, no, no, no. There is no more. Yeah, this is, there is no more Downton Abbey. This is why Christy season won't watch one. Logan. Right? Uh <laughs> As a side note, I've been trying to find side A, side B on my friggin' podcast app, and I can't find it. So I got it on iTunes. Frustrated. Maybe you need to upgrade to a better podcast app. Um, I don't watch know. Watch it. I'll let's take a look. I I know it's on Stitcher. I know it's on the Google Play Store, and I know it's on iTunes. Yeah. Now, so I got it on iTunes. It's also on Listen Notes. Sure. <laughs> let's see. A lot of these are about our meat of the episode. The only other thing that I had was there are some new. Harry Potter wands that basically are like a, a Harry Potter version of laser tag. So like they they're electronic and like they have little like light up indicators on them, um, you know, that help you to cast the spells and like you push buttons on the hilt of them to, you know, tell it what spell you want to cast and stuff like that. They're, what? <laughs> they're going to be like 25. I choked. <laughs> uh, they're made by a company called Jack's Pacific. And they're marketed under the name Wizard Training Wands. <laughs> There's going to be a, a Harry a Harry Potter model, a Dumbledore model or wand, <laughs> and a Voldemort wand. <laughs> so that yeah, that looked like fun. I mean, I like that. There's a lot of this uh, sort of 
you know, gaming spilling over into real life kind of stuff the last couple of years. And I mean, there's also still that mm-hmm. uh, Harry Potter, like Niantic game in some stage of development out there as well. So there's multiple real world Harry Potter interactive stuff coming out. I would LARP if it was a Harry Potter thing. I don't think, I don't think you I had to LARP. tell us that. I, I think, so we, I think that was probably just assumed at this point. Oh, did she say LARP? Yeah. I didn't quite catch yeah. what she said. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, like if it was Mass Effect, I do. <laughs> I mean, people, you know, do essentially Harry Potter LARPing all the time at the Universal, like the Wizarding World stuff. You know, they'll go in in their Wizarding robes and everything, and interact with cast members. You know, totally in character and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, you're sure your people aren't a super powered set of teenagers and a Velociraptor? Oh, you're trying to be funny because of my hair and my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was all of the major news I had that wasn't related to our weekly topic. So go ahead, Mark. There's only two other ones that like, I thought were at least kind of interesting. Hasbro is saying that they're going to reboot all the Transformers movies after the Bumblebee solo movie. Which I did see that. I just don't care. Yeah, I kind of don't care. <laughs> but like, I just really would like one good Transformers movie, like a really good one, not just like, oh, it's okay compared to the other four kind of thing. Like the first one kind of is now, but like they've got a whole slate of movies coming up. Like they've got G.I. Joe and Micronauts new movies coming out in 2020 and a Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> another Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out in 2021. Like, why? Why is that happening? I don't yeah. understand. And also, like, I I keep seeing this fucking trailer for the Tomb Raider movie, and it just looks like hot fucking garbage. It looks just like the game, so. Stop just rebooting shitty franchises, or stop, I mean, some of them were pretty shitty franchises. Some of them are maybe interesting franchises, but. How dare you? Micronauts is a classic. (sighs) Yeah, I I understand. That's that's a joke. (laughs) I know. But I don't think it needed a live action. No. (laughs) Did not. I don't necessarily think Transformers did either, but they made billions of dollars on it. So, I mean, you can't really argue with like the money on it at that point. So, I don't know. No accounting for taste. No, there is. Well, there there is is accounting. There's accounting for no taste, and it is apparently billions of dollars. Yes. Well, okay. There you go. That works out too. (laughs) Did you? Okay. Did you hear about the Marvel's kind of fresh start thing that's going on? This nope. That they just announced. Oh God! Are they rebooting like their fucking series and yes. renumbering again? Yes, all of them. God. No, actually, I don't Freaking think. Damn it! I know they're all I know right now is that they're sh- they're shuffling the creative team line on most of the Marvel books under like new editor in chief CB Sabelski. Mm. I know they've announced that the new Avengers team, that like there is going to be a new Avengers team that they've already announced will include for like the three core, like the big ones, like Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man. Um, and it'll also have She-Hulk, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and Doctor Strange. And for some reason, Ghost Rider. Although I'm not sure why that is a thing. Which, which Ghost Rider? Uh, it doesn't say, but the the art has a motorcycle in it. So I'm going to assume it's the Johnny Blaze Johnny version. Blaze. Yeah. Okay. I mean, at this point, Marvel is just trying... Because their, their comic book sales are slumping hardcore. Yeah, they're killing yeah, it in yeah. movies, but they're losing to dc and comic book sales and so i think they're just you know throwing whatever they can at the wall and seeing what sticks at this point yeah and i think like them straightening out some of their like core characters and like actually having you know steve rogers back under the cowl and like tony stark back in the armor and i think they're they're i'm not sure if they're getting rid of uh the jane foster thor or if she's just being like they're just also having the original thor come back as well 
yeah. is a thing or not. Although I will admit the art, like the preview art for this, that's by Ed McGinnis of all people, is fucking horrifying. So not <laughs> he some, might be past his prime. He might be. Like I've never had a bad thing to say about McGinnis's art. It's always been like I mean, it's very anime esque, which is, but then that's yeah. fine and it works for what it is. But this is yikes, yikes, yikes. Part of me, I mean, this reboot is probably at least in part influenced by all the blowback that they got by trying to introduce like, you know, sort of diversity characters. Mm -hmm. And part of me is upset that Marvel's caving to those basically Internet trolls. They're saying like Riri Williams is not, you know, give us back Tony, give us back, you know, like this is this was never always going to be temporary, right? Mm -hmm. Like the characters were never going to take over permanently. They're going to take over for a little while and then something will happen. The original will come back, but now you have this other character that then you can explore and do different things with kind of thing. And yeah, which I think they've more or less done at this point. Like, I don't think they're getting rid of Riri or anything like that, but I know like in the Avengers right now, like it'll be Tony, Steve and whatever you call Thor. I don't know if he's even Donald Blake anymore, but whatever, like you will have like the real Thor in there when the new number one comes out. So, yeah, I just don't like giving internet trolls any semblance of victory. Yeah, Your your country did that on mass yeah. last year. So not I mean, my country, not yet. I say not my country. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> you heard, the country you currently inhabit did that on mass like a year and a half ago. Yeah, so don't remind me. I've spent like yeah. the past week <laughs> fucking arguing with second amendment funda- fundamental crazy people. Have you last. actually? Uh, yeah. He's been on, have you not been watching his Facebook feed slowly, but surely just like, and not be filled yeah, with hate. And that, that's only maybe about <laughs> like 10 or 15% of it because I've been engaging on a lot of other people's posts too. And it's been exhausting, but I've, I've had some victories, which has been, been worth it anyways. I did see um your gun controls idea. And I thought that was actually very, very well put together. Yeah, I mean, it probably does have its holes in it, but, you know, everybody's just talking rhetoric, and I figured it was time to put something out. I haven't seen, you know, on my friends list anyways, in terms of uh, people actually putting out, like, a plan other than saying, you know, kind of just like, hey, let's do what this country does or whatever, which uh, which probably isn't such a bad idea anyways, but you definitely have to take into account the fact that there's so many weapons already out there in the U.S., and there's kind of a Pandora's box side to it, and that that obviously needs to be dealt with as well. And you can say, like, there's holes in your plan, but, I mean, there's bigger holes in what's going on right now. Yeah, gaping, gaping fucking ammunition-sized holes. Do we want to, do we want to say, can we, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, do we want to say holes repeatedly (laughs) in this particular context? Maybe. Gaping exit Not appropriate, but, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on. We're not a political podcast. We're not a political podcast. We're not a political podcast. (laughs) It's like you're Dorothy in the. (laughs) Except this is going to be a political episode. Yeah. Stay tuned for our spinoff <laughs> fucking political podcast. Dance robot <laughs> fuck. <laughs> dance Russian. Dance Russian robot. Actually, fuck robot fuck. Fuck robot fuck is actually robot a pretty fuck. good title. No. I don't people know think it was a porn podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with that. Like, Japanese would sex click. robots. Like, you know people. Yeah, we, do. we have tons of followers. <laughs> yeah, we would have tons and tons of listeners. We could get advertising for that podcast, probably. <laughs> we could probably get advertising for this podcast. Yeah, we, Why bring six into it? Because why not? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, there you go. Do you have anything else, Mark? Or is that it? Uh, no, I got nothing else. Good. Let's uh, let's move along. All right. Well, with that, let us move on to our the shortest news segment we've ever done. Probably, yeah. I think it's actually kind of a nice length. Yeah, yeah. that's because the news. I hear that a lot. Is uh. it though, Christy? <laughs> I mean, I think Shape of Water's length is a little longer than that. 
Christy will be able to tell us in like <laughs> six to eight weeks. Really? That's a hell of a lead time. Did well, you actually order me one? They got to do production, right? No. <laughs> did you actually no, order me one? No, I did not order you a sex toy. That's just, I it's mean, there's a, inappropriate and there's inappropriate, but it, yes. It's, it's, a, a, it's not a sex toy. And why it does it say it. giant water dildo? You must put it up in your living room on a pedestal. <laughs> it's made of, the, made of the most lovely silicon, like, uh, yeah, museum grade silicone. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I <laughs> but it's probably too big oh, for an underwear drawer, so you have to find somewhere special. Guys, okay, seriously. <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of want to an oversized uh, night table to, to hold it. You joke, but this is my life. <laughs> uh, All right. I'm kind of thinking about ordering a bunch for like Halloween decorations. So I think it'd be good creepy things to make from like like my front porch or whatever on Halloween so, night. Also, I kind of want to, I don't want to get arrested. And I think that will be the inappropriate kind of way to get arrested. So, so tangent there uh, used to be, there's not any long, not any longer a uh, haunted house in Atlanta that was R rated. That was called chambers of horror. Mm-hmm. And it was at uh, this right. like sort of goth club concert venue called the masquerade. Uh, and they had like this big, like warehouse in the back with it. would put this uh, haunted house in every year around, obviously around Halloween. And it was totally like R rated. Like there would, they would come in and like get right in your face and like berate you sexually and shit like that. But there were rooms where there would literally just be like, you know, sometimes like uh, haunted, haunted houses will have like stuff hanging from the ceiling. There were entire rooms where it was just like as big as your arm dildos, like hanging from the ceiling that were like wet. <laughs> or you'd go into a you'd go into a room and like some guy would have like a prosthetic dick that would spray warm water all over you as you walked through the room. <laughs> like the fact that it was warm was just the best touch. And yeah, it just Ew. and went on and on and on from there. It was absolutely like you know, everybody we'd go in with would just be absolutely disgusted and Alicia and I would just be laughing our fucking balls off the whole time. Oh man, I, I would be dying the whole time. I wouldn't be able to like that would be the least terrifying thing I'd ever seen in my life because I would be laughing, and it'd be so much fun to watch other people like go yeah. through it. I think like that would be part of the appeal. It'd just be like, oh, we're taking White these bread, like yeah. fucking rubes here to like go through it. Yeah, to go yeah through exactly. It. <laughs> like, I mean, given the look on Christy's face after you mentioned it, I figured we should bring Christy to one of those things because she just looks. She looks so uncomfortable and not engaged. And I would actually like end up getting scared more than I would in normal haunted houses just because I was laughing so fucking hard that I wasn't paying. You know, normally when I'm walking through a haunted house, I've been through so many that like I can kind of see where the scares are coming from. But the, you know, the humor of it just fucking catches like keeps me off guard. And so, you know, somebody would come around a corner and be like, oh, my God, you actually did get me. That's awesome. uh, Anyways. uh, Yes. Since we got the news out of the way in record fucking time, let's move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. So for anybody that's never heard this podcast before and this, I guess every podcast might be somebody's first. This is where we discuss the geekiest things that we've done in the past week. So it's only been a few days since we last recorded, but there has been a weekend in there. Mark, what is the nerdiest thing you've done since Thursday? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> edit and put out the podcast? No, I don't honestly don't know. Uh, okay, I guess like, so I went down to uh, St. Catharines this weekend. I have a friend or uh, a cousin who's in town for the week, for the week, I guess, from out west. She lives like on Vancouver Island in Victoria. NBC, so she's here visiting. Uh, so a bunch of us got together, and my all my cousins have kids, um, which is a horrifying kind of 
concept to me anyway. <laughs> but they're at the, the age where like video gaming is starting to become a thing. So like I had mm-hmm. told these kids that I had a Switch already and they hadn't seen one yet. So they were like obsessively sending me messages through their mom, who's my cousin, to like make me bring their Switch down. So I get to spend a couple hours with like, I want to say they're like nine and seven or something like that playing mario kart for a couple hours oh that sounds awesome a lot more like i mean i was beating the shit out of them because like they're nine and seven and i'm 36 and i've been playing mario kart since i was nine and seven (laughs) you dick but the level of amusement that these kids were getting out of like mario kart which like i feel like i get i take it for granted now but they're just having such a fucking blast with this new mario kart game that they had never played before i was like oh is that what it's like before you're a jaded piece of shit in your 30s (laughs) that must be that's amazing that's cool who doesn't want to be a jaded piece of shit uh i i mean you can be a jaded piece of shit and still and have fun once in a while still regress once in yeah, a while that's, that's <laughs> kind of what i'm shooting for but i'm still working on the uh regressing once in a while thing but this definitely helped out it was fun like because they're just like hooting and hollering and like clearly i was cheating the whole time like the older brother of the two was just like like because he was losing and not used to losing was just like you're you're a cheater and i'm like i okay Sure. You're like absolutely no yes. Absolutely yeah. yes, I yeah. am. I've put Prove in it. enough hours of this game to be a cheater. Yeah. I was like, why don't you? Yeah. Why don't we like get everybody together and you can explain to everybody how I was cheating at the video game that doesn't let you cheat unless whatever. So like, <laughs> I think I was playing fair, bud. But all right, I cheated. <laughs> That's okay. But it was fun. It's just it's interesting to see like how kids like play video games and stuff like that because they're just like so adept very quickly and it's a little terrifying, but. It's kind of fun. It's also kind of cool because, like, you know, in our in our age growing up, like, video games had manuals, right? But now kids will just pick up a game, and because they've been sort of playing them since they were old enough to hold a controller, mm-hmm. they just sort of innately can figure out. And it's also, you know, better game design than what we had back mm-hmm. in our day kind of thing. But between those two things, it's really cool to see sort of how easy it is for the you know younger generation to get into new games. It is kind of fun too because it is like a hobby that like well is going to cross generations a little bit better than like because like our parents would like would the, how often did your dad try and sit down and play Nintendo with you like <laughs> once yeah, every once in a while they'd be like oh I want to try Mario and they get pissed and fucking walk away and then like that's the end of it. That being said, Alicia's grandfather she like that's how she started first playing Zelda was her grandfather played like the original Zelda on Nintendo. Oh really? Uh, and like to the point yeah and to and he would play other games as well but you know and he was born like in sometime in the 50s like late 50s something like that okay oh no it was earlier than that so no it must have been earlier than that it must have been like 40s or something anyways he was like an older guy like he was in his late 60s and yeah he would like to the point where he would uh like mail into the hint line the hint lines that nintendo had and stuff like that or like call in when he was getting stuck on like you know couldn't find the lion key in the original zelda game and shit like that paying a dollar 50 per minute or whatever that 900 yeah. number used to cost back in the day yeah yeah so silly and I, th- I think and it sounds like he was pretty avid with it until up until basically 3d gaming until like ocarina of time he had trouble adapting to that but yeah. all those like you know sort of top-down games he he would play very avidly so cool i mean yes my parents never yeah no and but i just mean like it's it's cool that our generation will be like we'll have that in common with our kids or our friends kids mm-hmm. i guess in my case because that that shit's not happening but anyway <laughs> so it is fun to be like oh i can be like cool uncle mark who's got all the video game toys and stuff like that and the kids are into it <laughs> and i'm like yeah well okay wait you can't play that game because that's gta and there's gonna be hookers yeah. that are gonna die in there but <laughs> i mean like we can play mario kart just and not, no, you can't touch those masterpiece transformers yes and well they'll, they'll stay at the house like you're not allowed <laughs> to touch those at all but, uh, 
and I did have to stop them because they're like, I just bought uh, Bayonetta one and two had come out for Switch <laughs> last week, and I was like, okay, no, 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 gotta like figure out how to lock this yeah. down. Real quick. Yeah, can't play those. Let's play Mario Kart, guys. <laughs> I have snipper clips. Let's play those. That stupid yeah. shit. No, let's not play Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, nice. that was kind of fun. All right, Christy, what is your geek of the week? Um, mine's pretty goofy. So I have decided that what I really want to do before Kingdom Hearts three comes out is play through as many of the Kingdom Hearts games as I possibly can. Why? There's infinite of them, isn't there? I know, there's an infinity amount. (laughs) And so, but I really want to do a Let's Play of them because I feel like that'd be a really fun Let's Play to do and just go through the journey of Kingdom Hearts. And it's something I've been wanting to do for a while, so I thought, oh, why not? So I went to look up getting the the PS4 versions because they came out remastered Mm -hmm. in HD and it was $70 with tax on the PlayStation Network. And I was like, <laughs> no. So it ends up Best Buy had a sale. So I was like, sick. Best Buy has a sale. It's on for 35 bucks. Amazing. Sold out all over Ontario. You can't order it online. It's been discontinued, even though the sale oh, was no. for February 22nd. And I was like, son of a bitch. So I look up an EB. EB has like six copies that are recycled. And so I'm like, great, awesome. I will go get a copy at EB because I know Mark doesn't have any at the store. And ends up that none of the stores had them. It was uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8, not 1.5 and 2.5, which is what I wanted. And I was like, shit. So I'd gone to, at this point, I'd gone to a Best Buy and two EBs. And this is all within like two days. And See, you've already spent the gas money to just bought the fucking thing on PSA. I know. Don't even get me started. Just don't even get me started. So Mark and I like go through our stuff, and I find that I have a PS3 version of 1.5. So the next day, I go out, and we, we go on one more hunt to try and find it, and nobody has 2.5. So we get home, and Mark does some digging while I'm out. I was doing something this weekend. And I come home, and he's found 2.5. For the PS3, it ends up that he'd bought me a special edition. I just never opened the second game because I didn't realize there were two in the box. I thought it was a manual. And then I was so pumped. I was so pumped. I was like, great, I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to start. And then today at 10 a.m. or 10.30, like half an hour after they open the store, what comes in through a trade but the PS4 version of 1.5 and 2.5? So it was... Did a lot of work for no payoff. No, I got the payoff. I got the game for free. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Is it really free when you're sleeping with the store owner who got the game, though? Like, Hell yeah. yeah it's, that's a different kind of payment, I think. Yeah, I think that's a different kind of payment. So, Hell all right. yeah. All right. <laughs> so now I have my game. I feel like you're undervaluing yourself. <laughs> it was a $70 game. That's at least one night of passion for 10 minutes. That's one one ten minutes of passion. <laughs> Not according to backpages.com, but I mean like that's <laughs> either here or there, I guess. <laughs> Market's lonely. According to who? Nothing. That's where you that's where the escorts advertise themselves, Christy. Just there you go. That's the look I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you. There's that look of disgust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. But anyway, so it was just like a fun little fetish sort of thing. It seemed like it was just meant to get into my hands. And then when I was looking through trying to find my old game versions, I found this old school manual that I've had since oh. I was like... That's not a 
that's not a manual. That's a guide. Yeah, it's a guide. Those, like, old Brady Beans guide. guide. Yeah. yeah, it's like so many pages, and it's like I've had this since I was like thirteen or fourteen years old when it first came out. Two thousand two. Paul will have to confirm or deny this, but I'm reasonably sure Paul had exactly the same one. He made me drive him all over St. Catharines until we could find that particular guide. So Paul can't see it because Christy's doing visual, visual bits. Visual bits. No, but uh, it is. It is. It is. It's a Brady Brady game signature guide for the original Kingdom Hearts. So like I'm pretty sure Paul had a copy of that at the house. Foil, foil stamped cover and everything. Yeah, it's got like a yep. chromium cover and the whole yeah. shitty bit. So. I have stickers in the back. Are they used or are, no, are no, they still no, there? No, 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 they're still there. They're 101 Dalmatians oh. stickers and like little hearts and stuff. Are you supposed to use those to like mark shit in the guide like, that you've done or whatever? Well, don't you have to don't you have to find all 101 Dalmatians in the first game? I think yes. I think. Yeah. Oof. So this came out when did this game? You're gonna do out? 900 Korok seeds, and you're gonna <laughs> oof at 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Jesus. Man. Uh, yeah, that might be my geek of the week. Actually, no, not quite. Yeah. You got um, all the seeds, Tim? No, no, no. I'm, but Mark's saying that like I'm a completionist, so I probably will be tempted to until I go insane and yeah. then stop. Because I think I, I think I've got like 30 so far. <laughs> I got about 300 because you need them to expand your inventory yeah. like slots and stuff like that. So I got a, a good chunk of them. But when I looked at 900 versus where I was at three, three and change, maybe four or something like that, I was like, nope, nope. There's no actual <laughs> point to this. I'm not doing it. Can you set the tracker to detect them? You can now after the expansion, not when I was playing. It. Oh, I might, I might start doing that then. Or what I'll probably do is I'll make sure I've gone around and got all the shrines. And once yeah. I've got all the shrines, I'll set my uh, tracker to Korok seeds instead. Yeah, I think you can do that. I'd have to, you, you, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure you can yeah. now. So because right now I'm just sort of like as I happen upon them kind of thing. I'm not really looking for them necessarily. I'm like, oh, that looks like it's probably a Korok, and it is. Yeah, nine nine hundred of those little motherfuckers later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. As a side note, though, this came out in 2002. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That's almost 20 years ago. It was a PlayStation 2 game. That's 15 years ago. 16 years ago. I know. I just, holy shiz. <laughs> what are you feeling old? Oh, that's We're yes. old, Christy. <laughs> oh, weird. Now, actually, and the other thing that I did, and you guys are going to be proud of me, I was going to tell you. So tonight, I was asked to go audition for a musical. And I said no, because I am doing too many other things already. Uh, what musical was it? Wedding Singer. Yeah. I was asked to audition. Not that great a show, anyway. Not a very good show. Yeah. But I didn't, because I. Good job. I knew you don't, that you don't want I another was, fucking sister act. Hey, well, that was, that was a lot. And it wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it wasn't very good. But yeah, so uh, you should be proud of me, though. I feel like yeah, one of the is, musical. Indeed, I'm depressed though. Terribly depressed. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you have more time to like because your, your fame it. monster isn't getting fed. That's exactly oh, it. Is that what it is? <laughs> maybe if you shared the podcast, maybe that might solve that issue. Like you might start getting recognized. Can't do it this week. Show. Speaking Why, of what which, what did we talk about this week? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. dildos. Sorry. Well, that was you know what worth it. Worth yeah. it. Speaking of fame monsters, my sister listened to last week's episode as well because she's, you know, I, we talked about her on the episode and her, you know, the she did some of the musicals I did too. And she had yeah. pointed out that I did get a leading role at one point. It just wasn't in a musical. She did like some little communities like youth theater back in Brantford. And due to a whole series of events, she was directing No Exit. Oh, I know that, that play. Yeah, the Sartre play. And Sartre? That's is that right? Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. No exit. Yeah, it is Sartre. I was right. 
Don't doubt me, oh, Christy. Yeah. Jean-Paul Sorry, I thought Sartre. the pronunciation was wrong. It might be, but that it is S-A-R-T-R-E. Resident Frenchman, how would you pronounce that? You got it right. All right. <laughs> At least as much as I care yeah. to like, actually check. But uh, yeah, so, Jean-Paul Sartre? Yeah. Well, that's how you would pronounce it in French, but how would you pronounce it in English? Oh, yeah. Anyway. Sartre. Yeah. Sartre. Yeah. Sartre. Yeah. All right. But yeah, due to a series of events, she lost her lead in that. And so like with two or three weeks before the production was actually due to go on, she asked me to do it. And that is a fucking like line heavy production. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a light production. And you're on stage the whole fucking time. Uh, Like me in particular, I'm on stage from the start of that play till the end. And so, but yeah, she gave me a shot and she even like gave me props and said, yeah, you were, you were in my lead male lead and no exit and you did really good at it so i did get a male i did get a lead role at one point so i gotta give my sister props for that it just wasn't in a musical anyways (laughs) i almost feel like my geek of the week was like you know reliving those musical memories with my mom and my sister but i would say ultimately i don't like you know having my geek of the week related to the podcast so i'll say my geek of the week was I've got a work trip to Orlando uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. And this week I sort of like sat or yesterday I sat down and like planned out my evening activities, like in the parks and then like <laughs> Disney Springs. And I booked all my fast passes for the night. I'm going to magic kingdom and stuff like that. And yeah, that always, I mean, that's hardcore Disney nerdery. I mean, there are people that do it like, you know, months and months in advance, but I d- wasn't sure if this trip was happening. So. That's really cute. So yeah, I'm doing A Night in the Magic Kingdom. And any of our listeners that might be Disney Parks people, I figured out my company is actually putting me up in a hotel on Disney property. Thank you, company. Which I've, Oh, is it one of the... It's, um... it's not one of the Disney resorts. It's one of the like downtown Disney area uh, hotels, mm. which I've been asking them to do me mm-hmm. like every time. Like I've been down there three or four times for work now. And every time I ask them to put me up in a hotel in that area, because there's plenty of hotels there that aren't like stupid expensive, but they instead end up putting me up in like hotels that are way out by the fucking airport which are nowhere near anywhere that i actually want to go but this time they finally put me up in a hotel i wanted to be in so but that means that i get to do extra magic hours which means that you get to go stay in the parks for a couple hours after everybody else leaves so yeah that'll be that'll be fun and i haven't got to do that in a long long time because this is my first time like staying on disney property in ages even though it's for work so that's rad yep so that'll probably be my geek of the week. A couple weeks from now is actually going and doing all that Disney stuff. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, again, we're like through news and geek of the week and maybe not record time, but pretty close to record time. So let's move on to our, we have to be very careful about how we say this one, guys. <laughs> this, is, this is on you fuckers. I'm, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Meat of the episode. Panther meat! African meat! <laughs> I was being panther. <laughs> Wakandan rhino meat, let's say. Yeah, Wakandan rhino meat. <laughs> so yeah, this week, uh, as you've probably figured out well in advance of now, we've all been really fucking pumped for Black Panther. Um, yeah! the, the entire like 
continent and maybe even world seems like it's been really pumped for Black Panther. And last week it finally was released and it seems to have lived up to pretty much lived up to or exceeded pretty much everybody's expectations overall. So uh, we're going to talk about you know, sort of how we felt about it. But I mean, just to talk really quickly about the release of the movie in general, let's see, it did, it has the, it's in the top five opening weekends of all time now in terms of just dollar amount. It did, I think like over 200 million, $242 million, I think opening yeah. weekend domestic. It's the largest opening for a Marvel movie besides the first Avengers movie. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's fucking insane is what that is. So it's awesome. It's good, but it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's insane. Cause I mean, you know, for, I won't say an obscure character, but I would say like a B list character, at least to, to do that kind of business. But I mean, this wasn't a B list movie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So it's been getting all sorts of amazing press and reviews. What's the Rotten Tomatoes sitting at now? It was sitting at a hundred percent for a while. And then some, I think it's still in the nineties. So the old white dudes got their hands on it. And I think it's like sitting at like 98% or something like that now. Yeah. But yeah, just before we get into actually discussing the movie, uh, before my actual drink runs out, I did make a drink this week. Uh, I made the, yeah, you did. I made the Wakandan kiss, uh, which is a mixture of black rum, fernate bronca, amarula cream. Amarula is an African fruit. And it's like Ooh. a cream-based liqueur based on that fruit, uh, and then uh, Earl Grey bitters in it. So I made a drink that is strong, dark, and powerful. <laughs> so like the Black <laughs> like Panther. Black Panther. <laughs> Excellent decision. Ooh, and it is strong. It sounds delicious. Yeah. If you ever see Amarula cream in a liquor store, pick it up because it is not too expensive and really fucking tasty. Um, I much prefer it to like Irish, like Bailey's. Uh, Irish cream in terms of cream based liqueurs. But anyways, let us talk about Black Panther as we are sort of want <laughs> to do. Uh, first, I just want to go around and get an idea of everyone's sort of viewing experience. So when you saw it, where you saw it, um, and in this case in particular, I think this might be a little bit more in depth because I had a really cool experience, like experience viewing this movie. So I want to hear what you guys, what you guys went through to see the movie. Christy? So Mark and I went and decided to go see a matinee of it because we wanted to actually be able to process it throughout the day. Not podcast Mark. Boyfriend, Boyfriend Mark. Mark. Yes, other Mark, not, not yeah. me. And <laughs> we did it right. We went to uh, Landmark Cinemas in Hamilton, which is the um, place with the reclinable chairs, which is just, <laughs> okay. it's just the best theater. I can't ever go back to regular viewing experiences i just can't <laughs> and so we just like had a, this really amazing like viewing experience it was just super relaxed treated like and, wakandan yeah, royalty and, like, we we just felt like it was just really comfortable and everybody there was just super excited about the movie and it was it was actually very cool because when we were watching it we noticed there were a lot of people there solo which doesn't happen in a lot of movies but a lot of people i think are going to see this two or three times like by themselves just to you know just to experience it again mm -hmm. yeah i've seen that a lot of people on my friends list have already gone and seen it, seen it like two or three times i've only seen it the one time that's more time restrictions than anything but no I, I thought it was really 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 good and had an awesome time getting to watch it and feeling like i was really i was able to be invested because i was so comfortable and i was just like you know happy and 
chill and just really enjoyed the actual experience itself. Nice. How about you, Mark? What was your viewing experience for Black Panther? Nothing out of the ordinary for me. I just went to my usual. There's a Cineplex up the street that's got a big Ultra AVX in it. So I got my usual little corner seat that I could sit by myself in. And I just went to the the matinee on the Friday afternoon, like right after work. And maybe slightly during work, but that's neither here nor there. And yeah, I just sat through the movie. Nothing, nothing, nothing All right. crazy this time. And what, so. Did you see it 3D, you said? Yeah. Okay. I didn't see it 3D. Did either of you guys have any trouble getting tickets? Like, were they sold like sold more than usual in advance kind of thing or anything? No, I no. got my usual seat and my usual theater just the day before I bought them. So, like, right. on the, I think we had recorded on the Thursday night and we were talking about going to see it. I think I bought it that night and went the next day. So, okay. nothing oh, crazy. Nice. But again, like, and I think I've said this a million times on the show, like, very theater dense area. And where I and am, very right, so. white area. Also, well, more brown than okay. white, but yeah, not not, not black, not but. yeah, not African Canadian area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> much, much more brown than uh, black for sure, and probably more white than the other. But yeah, mm-hmm. the theater was a pretty good mix, though. It looked, it, it looked there's a lot of white people, but I'm in like a white Toronto suburb, so yeah. All right. Well, for me, I saw it in IMAX 2D, mainly just because the 3D showings, one were, I mean, they all the showings, I got my tickets like a week in advance. And, uh, you know, it's reserved seating in a lot of the theaters down here now. And a lot of the tickets were like, like 60, 70% of the seats were already sold like a week in advance. Granted, I live in Atlanta. There's a really high African-American population. And obviously, you know, there we, we've talked on the past episodes about how crazy the advanced ticket sales have been for this so i'm sure that there are people that bought these tickets like as soon as they went on sale kind of thing Mm -hmm. down here yeah so i saw imax 2d but the really cool thing was just that the there were so many you know like black families with like young kids and stuff like that that were like dressed up in costume that had like black panther toys and stuff like that and that is like i don't think i've seen that with any other mcu movie uh, you know, I've never seen like somebody come to the theater, like, you know, maybe like a midnight premiere or something like that. But I went to like a Saturday matinee, like it was like 12, mm-hmm. 1230 on a Saturday afternoon. You know, you don't expect going to that seeing, you know, kids dressed, dressed up as the main character. The only thing that I can really equate it to is like some of the Star Wars movies that I've gone or like, like special screenings of like the Hobbit movies and stuff like that, or Lord of the Rings movies where I've you know, seen people like actively dress up, but it was just so like it was it felt really special like it felt like i was sort of being you know part of of a a cultural experience kind of thing and that wasn't the only time during this movie that i felt like that so like the whole movie there was a kid sitting in front of me like you know maybe eight or nine years old little like uh young african-american boy that had a black panther like action figure like a you know big like 10 inch one and was like holding it up in front of the screen shows like i can't even be mad at that because this is fucking awesome yeah. You know, he's got he's got this character now that he can really like relate to and I and identify with and and you know, idols that looks like him. Yeah, so that was that was really special. Um but and this is I think a good chance to talk before we get too much into the actual like content of the movie about a lot of the cool stuff that I've been seeing happen around the movie. Um and its release and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. for instance, um do you guys see this uh, article about how Kendrick Lamar bought out like three theaters in LA and brought a bunch of what? kids living in housing projects to go see the movie. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah. So, you know, like this is like so central LA kind of thing, you know, one of the worst neighborhoods in the country and like highest rates of crime and stuff like that. And he bought out three whole theaters and hosted like a free screening for all these kids to come in, which I thought was fucking oh, awesome. That's rad. Yeah. And then what else? There was also well, this is on the flip side of the coin. There was also all these Twitter trolls going online and talking about how they are making up stories about how they were assaulted going to the, see the movie, you know, by like angry black people, quote unquote, kind of thing. And all of those ended up being like totally fake. Like they were just, you know, trying to fucking, Bunk. yeah, just, you know, it was either like they were using stock pictures or it was really shitty makeup or something like that. Or like you could go on their feed and see that these people are like clearly racist that are just trying to garner attention and sully, you know, this experience for people. And, shitty people. Yeah, basically just going in and trying to shit on something because they don't think they don't see the merit in it. Yeah, racist. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And then what else was there? There were a bunch of activists going out and registering voters at screenings. What? Uh, which was awesome too. So an arm of the Black Lives Matter movement for Black Lives called Electoral Justice Protect went out and were uh yeah, just registering people like in line because in the US minority a lot of minorities have trouble voting because they don't have the necessary ID and stuff like oh, that. Accessibility and stuff, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they were getting out there and like actually, you know, registering people to vote and I think that was really fucking cool too. Man, that's rad. Yeah. Like it's been a long time since any sort of film brought this kind of like like social movement. <laughs> social movement yeah. that like a lot of people are getting behind because it's accessible to so many people mm-hmm. well <laughs> mark do you disagree <laughs> it's ex- about the accessibility well i just like i think we just had the same conversation about wonder woman in the summer you know what i mean like it's a different group yeah i, I will admit it's a different mm-hmm. group but it's the same kind of thing like happening again which is awesome and I, i'm totally behind that i think it's great yeah but i think a lot of people are kind of underselling what happened before and making this like a huge, huge deal. And it is a huge deal, but there's like little things that people are forgetting and stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Like, I'm not going to try and say like, this is the first like, you know, black superhero movie. Cause obviously Blade. we've had Blade Shazam. in the past yeah. and we've Shazam. had like, <laughs> just kidding. And we've had, you know, major characters like Joe Rody. No, not Rody. Rhodes. Rhodes. Yeah. Rody. I can't remember what it is. War Machine. War Machine. Yeah. Ro- War Machine or when Falcon and. Even going way far back, you've also like we had Storm and the X-Men, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't, like, don't want to like, I don't want to come off as like the racist white guy, but I just. And we had, we had Catwoman yes. and Halle Berry. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> for better, for worse. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, this is, it, it's been a long time coming. But it is like, it's super cool. Yeah. yeah. And and this is not just, you know, a black character, but it is like, it is a very African inspired character. So gives people a lot more to identify in that, in that aspect. But all right. Well, so that was just some of the, the really cool real world stuff that I saw happening around the movie. So let's get into what we each thought about the movie. Uh, just overall impressions, loved it, hated it, the sort of most standout parts of it you know, summary overall. So let's go back to Christy. Okay, so overall, I thought it was really, really well done. I definitely think that there were, you know, as per usual, there's always room for improvement. And like, there were a lot of like, very political stances taken. And I think that if we're talking about accessibility for some people, part of it was it wasn't it didn't feel like a stereotypical superhero movie, which I actually thought was a very good thing. I agree. I uh, I think that it's 
it's important that we use these chances where, you know, you're creating a character that a lot of people can look up to and that we stop making it about the difference between good and evil and we start actually embracing the the gray areas and why it's important to tell these stories because they're not just about right and wrong. They're about discovering what really constitutes choice, essentially. And why that can be so hard to why that can be so hard to I, I guess come to terms with. So I, I just thought that I thought the women in this were a better representation of female empowerment than the Amazons. That's just me. Yeah, we'll we'll get to representation yeah. for sure. Because that is that is a really important but part of the For movie. me that was a that was a big deal. I was really enjoying the fact that the women were super, super powerful characters. Like Shuri was just phenomenal. And I mm-hmm. overall I just I I really enjoyed it and I thought that for the for the tiny for the well, I mean not the tiny, but for the faults that it might have had, it made up for it and all of the story it was trying to tell. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I see I see what you're trying to say for sure. All right, Mark, how about you? Uh I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. I had some like little issues. I thought as soon as it tried to be a superhero movie is when it started to fall a little I don't want to say fall flat, but it did start to like deflate a little bit compared to the rest of it. I thought the politics and the interpersonal stuff and the actual main story of the movie was way more interesting than any time he went in the suit. As soon as he went in the suit, I was like, okay, I'm watching a video game. It's fine. Like it's a Marvel movie, so it's fun to watch. But like I had little issues with that. But like the main part, like stuff, like all the acting was excellent with a couple exceptions. The plot was actually almost sensical mm-hmm. compared to most Marvel introductory plots, which was kind of cool. And actually, like this is the first time where I walked out and wasn't like, "Oh, I have a million po- problems with the way the villain was handled." Oh, like, he was a I great think villain. They actually had for the first time ever a really good Marvel villain that, spoiler alert, they killed and can't use anymore again. Yeah, so, I was, I was a little like, disappointed by that. God damn it! <laughs> His death was important, though. It no, was. it was, and it was really cool and really well done. But like, I, I feel like just kind of giving up on like having Michael B. Jordan be part of the franchise going <laughs> forward is kind of a shitty idea. Awesome. All told, two, but, two out of yeah, two, out of two uh, Human Torches redeemed by the MCU now. Yeah, hilarious. Yes, I love true. that. <laughs> let's see if we can. Uh, let's see if we can get the guy from the Corman movies redeemed somehow. <laughs> like that's that's what I'm looking. At. Like they're doing these. To be fair, these are easy lifts for them to do. Like Chris Evans. Awesome, and Michael B. Jordan is an amazing actor. So, <laughs> translating those two into a decent movie franchise not a difficult <laughs> task. You get that motherfucker who played him in the that Robert Corman movie from the nineties. He's even still alive. Well, after if I was in that movie, I probably would have overdosed on heroin <laughs> or something like that too. But like, if he is still alive, get him in there, bring you know, him back the, up with the rest of them. This, the suicide mention stay on your other podcast, Mark. <laughs> right, right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I would. I. We'll say I was blown away by the movie. I was, I mean, I went into it with pretty high expectations and super fucking pumped for it. I think I said that it was uh, the movie I was most excited for this year and I, it exceeded my expectations even beyond that. I think it's the best movie that I've best like film that I've seen since Blade Runner 2049 and my favorite MCU movie, at least since Civil War, maybe even since Winter Soldier. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. The performances were great overall. The story was great overall. The villain was phenomenal. Uh, The representation was fucking outstanding. There was very little in it not to like, I'm well, not to say I didn't have my few like minor gripes, but they were really minor. And I would say they hardly, if at all detracted from the film for me, he said, I just came out of it feeling like I just like witnessed a cultural event, like a cultural Mm -hmm. like shift 
you know, it might be only in a certain like subculture or something like that, but it just felt really important, like an important movie more so than any comic book movie has any right to be, I would say, generally yeah. speaking. That's fair. <laughs> that being said, I mean, I do I do appreciate what uh, Mark was saying about Wonder Woman, you know, being a very different, you know, like a, a take on a female superhero that we've never seen before, you know, completely unobjectified and, you know, realistic and, I mean, realistic for being a comic movie, that kind of thing. But uh, this was just a different flavor of yeah. that. Sort of. All right. Well, then, well, I think we're going to spend quite a while on what we liked yes. about the movie. Then I'm going to go right off the top and say that I think the real shining star in this movie was the writing overall. Was I mean, in terms of plot, in terms of dialogue, was just outstanding. It felt really tight to me. The story felt really strong. There wasn't really much sort of. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much chaff. It was a lot of you know all we know chaff for the most part. I was incredibly happy with the character motivations overall on both the you know yep. sort of good and evil sides of it, and the villains in particular, which has been a common complaint of mine with MCU movies for a while, were written incredibly mm-hmm. well. Are we just going in general kind of right now? I was just going to say, do you guys have anything to add in terms of writing in particular that, that really stood out for you? You know, I will say this. I was disappointed in what Martin Freeman's character had writing wise, but he wasn't important. You know what I mean? Like he he played the role he was supposed yeah. to play, but I found that his writing was weak. Because he, he wasn't he wasn't an absolute yeah. necessity, you know, like he was a wonderful plot device yeah. and it was not about the white characters. I th- yeah, exactly. I think that m- I want to say that might have actually been on purpose mm. that they wanted to say, hey, look, we've got a white guy here and he's really ineffectual. And I'm not sure if that useless. was a purpose. I think that he just was not as important to, I guess, like monetize on not monetize. He wasn't as important to build like Andy Circus. Yeah. I thought he was great because he was. Yeah, I I absolutely love Andy Serkis. I think that man deserves an Oscar. Yeah, I don't think for this role though. <laughs> like that would not be the one. No, not for this role. Not for this role. <laughs> he was, but his. Yeah, yeah. I just think he's magnificent. I love him so much. But in particular, I just found that. Um, yeah, the white characters, and it's fine that they were. You know, their stories were underrepresented. It. It's not even they were underrepresented. It's just that they were definitely there was not as much to engage with and i think there were second priority yeah and that's you know totally absolutely 100 percent cool but Mm. i did find that you know even if even if a character is secondary i still want to care about them a bit more yeah so i would say that was one of the things that i would argue was a bit of a weakness was um we'll get to yeah but well we're (laughs) just talking about writing in general yeah yeah But otherwise, I thought that you're right. The characters were phenomenal. I was just a little, I was also slightly meh about the best friend and his very quick flip. Wakabi? Yes. I wish that Wakabi had had more of a story to him. He, that did seem a little like unearned to me. Yeah. I'll admit, but. And his relationship with. um, That, That could just be weird editing or something like that. Yeah. Like you don't know what they've cut out, but. Yeah, I was just, I was, with, yeah, the fact that we were just supposed to be... His relationship with Okoye? Yeah, it was just kind of like, and eh, they said that they were lovers once, they didn't once kiss, they didn't once, like, show any sort of, like, affection. We were just like, oh, yeah. they're lovers. So I'm guessing there was probably, like, a scene or two cut, mm-hmm. but 
Yeah, I have a feeling you're right. But yeah, overall, though, like I only say these things because I enjoyed it so much that I just wish these, even though they weren't poorly done, I wish that they had tightened those areas. Right. Well, related to writing, humor has been a really sort of... Oh, they a, killed it in this one. ...a tentpole of, of the Marvel movies for a while. Uh, what were your guys' feelings on the sort of tone and level and amount of humor in Black Panther? I thought it was so well done. It's definitely done. tied to writing. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was well done. Wasn't like uh, I know with Thor you were kind of gripey because you thought it was too much. I think they heard that. <laughs> I don't. Toned, toned I, it down. I yeah. don't know if I would say they heard that necessarily. I don't think this. They didn't hear Tim, that. but I think that. Well, no, I just mean like I don't think there they, was a lot of people. Uh, okay, I I didn't. I thought Thor was fucking brilliant for its. Humor, I did too. So I never problem. But this is such a different movie. I like I think they hit it right on where it should be. Like there wasn't a ton of jokes in this. It was actually probably the least yeah. amount of jokes in this since. And I know we keep going back to those Captain America movies, but like I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably more jokes per capita in Civil War just because of like Tony and Ant Man and all like all the different characters. And everything. Everything. But yeah. maybe going back to like Winter Soldier, this is a pretty serious movie overall, where there isn't a ton of like jokes in there all the time. But like yeah. what little they did have were were pretty funny and like pretty spot on. So I didn't yeah, have I agree. Huge mm-hmm. issue with anything overall. So yeah. I was super happy. Like you guys said, it was a welcome change of tone for me because like, as I mentioned, when we did review Thor, I've been a little bit fatigued on the sort of joke a minute MCU movies. So this was a really nice change of pace, especially when you look at, and I hadn't really even thought about this until Black Panther. When you look at all of the Marvel movies that came out last week or last year, it was Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming and Thor Thor Ragnarok. They were all just you know, jokes mainly packed yeah, with jokes. mainly comedies. Yeah. yeah, there was nothing. None of them were particularly serious. And so it was I was really happy to have Marvel show us. Yes, we can still do something, you know, with some actual chops to it kind of thing. Yeah. That being said, it had some fucking great jokes. The tone of the humor was definitely different than in the more recent, like in Ragnarok, for sure, yeah. or like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies or that sort of thing. But there were some really great jokes that were at the expense of white yep. folks. And I was, I was so fucking there for it. Like Shuri saying, great. Another broken white boy for us. Yeah, to that fix. was hilarious. Well, I liked it because it was, I, I, I assumed it would be the only time they were going to shout out the fact that like cap and Bucky were in Wakanda at the time. Because like, I was like, I, they're not going to yeah. show, like I know Chris Evans isn't in this movie. And I'm like, if they do show Sebastian Stan, it's probably a post credits thing. And lo and behold, I was confirmed. I forgot that, that they were in it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, they well, in Wakanda. Yeah. Yeah, like at the end of Civil War, they're both yeah. in Wakanda. They're going to explain where Cap actually was apparently in Infinity War. So whatever. well, they're prepping. But, mm. They're prepping um, Bucky to take over as Cap, aren't they? In this um, in the MCU. Well, it's either him or uh, Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. So mm. or Sam yeah. Wilson are the two. Like at least in the comics, in the last actually in the last ten years, they've both been Captain America for big chunks. They've of both it, taken so. on the mantle. Um, it could be either of them at this point. I'd be fine with. I wouldn't mind seeing a uh, Winter Soldier Captain America for a movie or two. But that's I'm yeah. I'm a fucking diehard, so I'm all in for that kind of stuff. I'm not super mm-hmm. keen on the. I'm yeah. not super keen on a Falcon Captain America, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, some of the other jokes I really enjoyed were the uh, the. Don't scare me like that, colonizer. Yeah. Oh yeah, Just that having... was good. <laughs> or the uh, the one towards the beginning of the movie where it was like uh, it's these two Grace Jones looking chicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was <laughs> at the uh, this the scene back in the like nineties. I like the one where uh, he got wiped out and like just barked at her to fucking delete the footage. Like that was delete that yeah, footage. That was, that was awesome. pretty good. I was off my ass <laughs> off at that. I liked their relationship, him and his sister. 
Yes. Yeah. I was about to say, I think part of the humor... That was really well yeah. written, too. Yeah. I think part of the humor came from the fact that the relationships were so believable for most yeah. most of the time. Absolutely, yeah. Like, yeah, I would agree with that for sure. I think that the writing really lent to that because we, we cared so much about the relationships, especially mm-hmm. everyone in regards to T'Challa. And I think that was that was what the clincher was, is that all of them, we, we cared about what they cared about T'Challa. Yeah. Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah. He was a king that he was a king that was flawed and I appreciated that. Absolutely. No, I I, I love those types of stories, like uh, you know, sort of the heavy is the head that wears the crown kind of thing. And this was definitely an excellent usage of that trope. Although I am curious to see how that will hold up when we get two of those kinds of movies in one year, even if they are from different companies. Like mm. we're gonna get the same story from Aquaman, I think. With Aquaman coming up. Yeah. So that True. should be interesting. But they're very different. Well, you could handle you could handle them very similarly if you wanted yeah, to. Sure. So hopefully, I mean, they've got a very different angle on Aquaman over on the DCEU side of things. So hopefully that'll yeah. that'll hold the writing to a different kind of level. But yeah, 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 you can definitely do that story again. But yeah, like I think the way they handled it in this one in particular, like I think they crushed it. So like he was and Chadwick Absolutely. Boseman was like fucking amazing throughout. Like he had a nice, like yeah. good reserved. Uh, regal quality to him that I really enjoyed. Like he always seemed to be kind of on the ball with everything that was going on. Yeah, I thought like I think he's he's going to be under probably represented in terms of praise a lot of the time because he has such a kind of restrained, yeah, restrained kind of performance in this movie versus like everybody else gets to be a little bit more. I mean, like Andy Serkis is just fucking gnawing yeah, at the goddamn walls. You know I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, everybody was kind of having those moments, like having a lot of fun and mugging for the camera, whereas like Chadwick. Like he had to kind of play it a little bit more like straight down the middle. And I thought he did a really good job like yes. anchoring the whole movie together around his performance. So. And I did see people complaining yeah. that like he wasn't big enough, but at the same time, not all. Yeah. You don't need to be, you know, large and in charge. He was like part of who he was, was being this like not reserved, but quiet, like King. Well, and he's, and he's more like, what you're talking in terms of performance or in terms of like physical No, stature? I mean like as performance he had to be he okay. had to be sort of muted almost because yeah. that was yeah. the whole point yeah. of his character was that he was not one to jump to quick decisions like his father or like not consider the realities of like his actions. He was a he was a thinker and a I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Well, Black Panther is notably like he's one of the stronger like strategic minds yeah. in the Marvel Universe historically, too. So he tends to be a little bit more like pensive mm-hmm. about what he's doing ahead of time. He kind of acts in a Batman-y kind of way to the Avengers a lot where mm-hmm. he's kind of like... But he's more human than Batman. Oh, yes, absolutely. But like he does have that kind of like he's the strat- the strategist of the team a lot of the time mm-hmm. kind of thing. So... And like yeah. at the same time, like I thought you were talking about stature, like how big he was, and like I was like, no, no, no. he doesn't. He's super power. He doesn't need to be. There's no reason for Superman to be six foot five. Superman could be Tim size, just that he's Kryptonian's like DNA makes him super strong. You don't have to be my size to yeah, be exactly. Bigger. His, yeah, his power so. comes from yeah, his power comes from the yeah. the herb so. or whatever. And and plus, he's known for being stealthy. You know, more, more well stealth, stealthy, and, yeah. and more acrobatic than a lot of the yeah. sort of like big heavies of the Marvel yeah. universe. So, but no, I agree absolutely. Like, if he was had like more of an overbearing character or anything like that, or more like flashy and 
Regal or whatever, I it would have oh, taken yeah. away from it a lot for me. All right, since we're sort of on performances, uh, what were the other like the other big standouts for me were? I mean, Michael B. Jordan as fucking oh, Killmonger was, was just out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't. I think he he had the the biggest performance for everybody. Like he was the the one that was like there to watch kind of thing. Yeah. Like he had yeah. his. I would almost argue he got to play. Yeah, I was all, almost arguably say he had like a Heath Ledger moment in that in there, and like he was just so interesting to watch whenever he was on camera. That like he makes everybody else seem a little dimmer mm-hmm. in comparison. Like so, yeah. yeah, he was really strong. I really liked. I liked the sister because she just she had all the best lines. Yeah, so. she did. Yeah, Nakia was really good, and then. Is it Angela Bassett was the uh, yep. played the mom? Yeah, she was. She had a nice little like, yeah. bit, especially like when they're going off to the the monkey. Yeah, Macaba. Yeah, to Macaba and like that. M- M- Mbaka. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I, I'm not going to try pronounce any of this shit because it's just going to Joe Joe Jodari tribe. I think John something like that. something like Anyways. that. I can't remember anymore. And like I'm, like I said, I'm not going to try and pronounce any of this stuff because I'm just going to get like raked <laughs> over the coals for attempting it. So no. Forgetting um, these fictional names wrong. Yeah, exactly. But African sounded <laughs> fictional names from a white man. Maybe. I should just abstain. But like I like her scene, like after especially having lost T'Chaka and T'Challa very in close order. Like oh, she had yeah. a, she put a pretty good performance on, like as pretty broken after that. So I I really enjoyed her performance. She too. she was, yeah, just like again, one of those like more muted yeah. but really powerful performances and i also like i'm not going to take away from martin freeman i thought there was parts where he like he looked befuddled by what was in front of him which i thought was exactly yeah, what the character needed so well that's that's what martin freeman uh, plays yeah, it's befuddled exactly. yeah exactly but it's, like, <laughs> it's perfect casting like to oh, get thrown into like this like african techno future like whatever like it is because like you would not be expecting that right all you know about yeah. wakanda is farmers and third world country and then you all of a sudden you walk in there and like it's more advanced than like what you see at a stark fucking convention then you're gonna have some fucking questions and be a little confused about what the hell's going on in front of you right yeah. so mm-hmm. i fucking thought denai guerrera killed it i think she was the best i, oh, I actually might have preferred bad. her performance so that's uh okoye i might have preferred her performance to to chadwick boseman's overall yeah she was um like she was just she's like hand of yeah. the king right like she's yeah you know, the the muscle of and you know to have that you know crazy strong female character be yeah i mean she's she was amazing on walking dead as well as uh as michonne and this is that, she was michonne a, you didn't yeah, know that yeah and this is playing a lot on a lot of those same sort of themes and tones and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't record. I didn't watch much of Walking Dead with Michonne on it. Actually, I, okay. I was getting out of it at that point. Yeah, so was I. But I knew it was her. So like, mm-hmm. and she she does good fight choreography. Like she's very adept at that for some reason. Well, so, yeah. she she was she's the reason got why intensity. I yeah yeah. She was actually the reason I preferred this to Wonder Woman as a representation of women too, because. For her, like, especially in that moment when she was facing, I'm sorry, what's his name again? Her oh. partner? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Baku. Yes, Baku. Um, no, she, that, sorry, um, that's the that's the gorilla dude. God damn it. Wakabi. Wakabi, thank you. <laughs> when he was like, you would kill me? And she was like, for Wakanda? Absolutely. And like, or no question, whatever she said. It was so badass because it was just like, You've gone insane. I love you, but I love my country. And for her, it yeah. was it was about love, but it also was so not 
about like it was so much more than that. It was about what love meant beyond romance. It was about lo- yeah, it was about loyalty. Yeah. yeah. And to me, like, I was just like, yes, this is what Wonder Woman was missing. This was the element where, like, it wasn't about she wasn't fighting because she was she wasn't fighting because she was in love with Steve. She was, you know, she should have been fighting because she just wanted to see the world be better. And I found that in this, like, it was about protecting her culture, it was about protecting her king, and it was about protecting she didn't care about herself because if she'd cared about herself, she might have hesitated. Because of what it would yeah. have done to her emotionally to kill her partner. Yeah. No, I agree. That was a really yeah. powerful character moment for sure. And the women, like the army of women was just like so kick-ass. Yeah. Like the Royal Guard. Yeah. Was, yeah. Like the three of them against uh, Killmonger at the end. Was, oh, was That so was cool. like maybe the best fight scene, like even better than just T'Challa against Killmonger. And one thing I loved too was that, and, and maybe this is again, the it's me just being like, yeah, women. But it was the fact that they also, there was no question. There was no question about the women being in power. It wasn't even brought up. It wasn't an unusual thing. Like, nobody even made yeah, a comment about it. there was no, like, shot it. on it. No, there was yeah. no shot on it. It just was. And, like, yeah. that's kind of what I was hoping, just going off topic for a minute, what they would do with Harry Potter with um, the, you know, uh, the gay storyline. But to me, I was just watching this, and I was like, yes! Just make it yeah. a norm! Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean that's they pulled it from a lot of tribes that are maternal yep. in Africa as well, right? So, you know, it's not like, you know, people can be like, "Oh, that's not realistic." Like, no, this is the way a lot of those fucking societies work and mm-hmm. arguably they are much the better for it. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody hasn't seen uh the post I shared on our Facebook page that goes like really in depth into all of the cultural influences in Black Panther, definitely do so. It is really really cool to see. Oh, I read it's so cool. Yeah. Okay. The, some of the, we've covered almost all the performances at this point. There were a few that were to me like good, but like not really stand out. Like Forrest Whitaker as Zuri wasn't particularly stand out to me. It was good, but not phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o as Nakia was again, pretty good, but not like, I think give her lots to do either, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. So, yeah. But, and uh, Winston Duke as Mbaku again, he didn't have a whole lot to do, but what he did have to do, he, he did serviceably, and ha- I, I would say he had some pretty standout moments, uh, like yeah. barking at at Ross. That was really nice. Really yeah, fun. that was cool. <laughs> yeah. I did like that they had Tashaka and uh, Forrest Whitaker's. Uh, was it Zuri? Is that the character's name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like they had their their actors like sons playing them in the younger scenes. Oh, is that I what that was? was? Kind of yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so, like, Tashaka Young was played by John Canny Old, and then Atwanda Canny Young. So, like, it's his son. Oh, and then that's awesome. The for Azuri, it was Forrest Whitaker, like in the current day, and it was his son. Yeah, uh, Denzel Whitaker Young. So, like the the other guy in there was like that was Forrest Whitaker's that's son. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, I thought it was kind of interesting, like, way to do it. Like, have the, the sons come in and play their fathers and stuff. It was kind of neat. Yeah, so I had to look at I knew it was T'Chaka's, like, son playing him kind of thing, like, in the younger version. But then I was like, is it when they actually told you that the other guy in the room was, like, the Zuri character? I was like, oh, wait, did they get Forrest Whitaker's son to do it? And I looked it up and I was like, yeah, they did. That's pretty cool. Like, that was that's a good thinking. Good thinking. No, the Michael B. Jordan, uh, Sterling K. Brown, who played in Jobu, is not Michael B. Jordan's father, though. No. Yes. Okay. No, he's not. Okay, I'm confused. 
Sterling K. Brown played in Jobu, uh, T'Chaka's brother. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but he is not, he is not Michael B. Jordan's father. Oh, no, no, not, not in real life. No, 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 no. In the movie. Yes. Okay. In the no. movie. Yes. I'm Sorry. confused. Anyways. No, it's T'Chaka, like the, the old Black Panther. Yeah. The young version of him that killed his, I want to say his brother. Oh, okay. That was, was played that, by, that was played actor, by okay. the old, the old T'Chaka actor's son. Gotcha. And then Forrest Whitaker in like okay, present yeah, day yeah. was Forrest Whitaker. And then like back gotcha. then, cause he's the third guy that's in the room. Yeah, that's yeah. his son as well, playing the same character. That's cool. All right. I'm with you. So, yes. Whew, that was a long walk. Yeah. A little bit of a walk, <laughs> but we got there. So yeah, we got there eventually. All right. Well, moving. Do you guys have anything else to say about uh, particularly standout performances or can I move on to my next point? No, go ahead. All right. So we've Mark already alluded to this a little bit in terms of the overall production design uh, just being fucking outstanding. And I think that that was a big hero oh, yeah. of the movie for me. Like yeah. so much thought yeah. went into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think for me, this might be the most visually interesting world Actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it's the most visually interesting world in the MCU to me, even more so than mm. Asgard. Even uh, wherever that planet was that they were on in Ragnarok. I can't remember the name of it now. Yeah. I mean, that was just the super Kirby. Like, yeah, the super Kirby. That was cool, but it wasn't particularly original. Like it was like ripped straight from the pages of uh, that. That being said, this might have been ripped straight from the pages of yeah. Black Panther. <laughs> well, moving off Black Panther so much is just like like maybe like African art kind of history. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of that was kind of referenced in there. Yeah. So yeah, it didn't have as like, yeah, I guess if you're not, if you hadn't studied art history, it's probably not as like, it's a, a bit of a bigger jarring kind of like effect to see all of that Africana kind of just like, I mean, writ like large we have, too. Yeah. So. We have some really good like African art exhibits in Atlanta, actually at the high museum, which for the record was the museum featured in the London sequence at the beginning yeah. of the movie. I, I kind of figured that was an Atlanta scene for yeah. some reason. So. <laughs> it's, which is a museum. It's like the big uh, art museum in Atlanta and Alicia and I are oh, members cool. there. Mm-hmm. So that whole sequence, both the exteriors and the interior where, Killmonger and Claw steal that vibranium tool. Yeah. That was all filmed at, at a museum that's literally like a few blocks away from where we used to live in Midtown. Nice. But but the the African influence was so genuine and yet so well integrated into everything that it was just seamless overall. Yeah. There was some stuff where I was like it, it almost took me out of it though, because like they had that whole that whole machine that like they put Ross in, having been painted mm-hmm. and decorated. I was like when did they have time to build a machine like that and then slap a whole bunch of vinyl on it? Cause like, that's all it looked like to me. I was like, it was almost, <laughs> almost too art directed. So, yeah, but it worked out. It worked really well for the most part. So I agree. But yeah, like the, the tech in the landscape was, it was a really cool yeah. mix of like advanced tech, African culture, and also a lot of nature in it as well. I freaking which was really loved neat. the like sand, not sand, but like the black, yeah, the like yes. the like war table, like soil, like oh, granular so cool. kind of. Yeah, my I Mark gonna, didn't know what I was talking about when I brought it up. I was like, you know, the sand. He was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, the sand. And he was like, the nanobots. And I was like, fuck you, it's sand. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's milled nano vibranium. So yeah, that's pretty much it is sand technically, but it's yeah, that's part of the tech mm-hmm. that the Black Panther gets to use. So yeah. And apparently he's going to cross over into the uh, the mainline MCU because a lot of people are going back and rewatching that Infinity War trailer uh, as a result of Black Panther having come out to see if they can if there's anything else they can p- 
pick up on. And it looks like uh, everybody thinks that the, the new Iron leading in. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the new, like especially specifically the new Iron Man armor being nano based is mm. like them having kind of consulted with Wakandan. Is it Shuri? Yeah, uh, Shuri's character. Yeah. So, no, so I'm, awesome. I'm I'm assuming there'll be there'll be a scene in Infinity War where they have her and Tony. Tony, uh, that'd oh, cool. that'd be so good. Yeah, like that's gotta like that's gotta happen eventually, right? Like that's like all of them. Tony's just like, who the fuck are you, and how are and, you only sixteen? <laughs> and do you want to come work for Stark? Probably yeah. <laughs> is what ends up happening after the fact, because like that's a pretty close. She'll be like, fuck no. <laughs> well, also that's a pretty close line to Riri, really. Like if you're gonna yeah. have like a a black female genius who can put together that kind of equipment, then. And she's got the re at the end of her name, so if you wanted to just like transpose, <laughs> I think it'll work yeah. if they want to replace. She, like it's almost like they set her up to replace Tony Stark in the MCU at this point. Maybe, like, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's true. Really, no, the, the, as soon as she started like going all super genius, I was like, oh, they're. I'm like, I hope. I mean, th- I know they're going to eventually, but like, oh, it kind of it kind of hurts that they're already planning ahead to not have RDJ. Uh, around, he hasn't so. wanted to be around for a couple of years. Oh, I think he wants to be yeah, around. Like I think part. he enjoys it. I think he also yeah. enjoys paychecks. Fat fucking well, those aren't even. Do you even consider that a paycheck? That's like money. that's like a that's like the GDP of most countries. GDP. He's getting. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so much fucking yep. money he's making. GDP of Wakanda just backed up to his house. Yeah, yeah. Well, pre pre vibranium technology output Wakanda anyway. Yeah, like he's he's yeah. probably crushing it. So. <laughs> but no i mean i guess he seems to be having fun you know what i mean like his instagram is just littered with mcu stuff so it seems like he enjoyed- oh i'm sure but like there's a point when you probably like you don't want to be the 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 guy doing it all the time yeah yeah mm-hmm. i can see that because so. he did say he's not going to do any like solo iron man movies anymore yeah. yeah well he's gone back and forth on that like 14 times now so <laughs> yeah but i mean with that too like you talking about you know trying think you were thinking about relations to other parts of the mcu with me mm-hmm. like this movie was so sort of standalone that i just it is yeah you know ex- except for thinking you know the only times i was really thinking about connections to the mcu were uh, when they bring in ross and sherry says oh great another white guy for me to fix yeah and then obviously the post-credit scenes but yeah like that was sort of refreshing you know because those movies are so tied together and so integrated with each other to have one of those movies where you can say, look, we can still do this movie that is just this, you know, featuring this one set of characters and his supporting characters kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's been that long since they've really done one of those. So, I mean, guardians was technically standalone to its like yeah. own stuff. And for the most part, right before that was Dr. Strange, which again, I mean, they integrated him quickly, obviously with Thor and stuff, but like the standalone movie was still a standalone movie. So, yeah. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, but like the other stuff that really stuck out, like like I said, it was just really cool to have like the tech and the culture mixed together, like with the the beads and stuff like that yeah. were really interesting. And, uh, you know, obviously like the combination of the, the jewelry being the suit and stuff like that. Oh. And yeah. and overall, just in terms of the production design, like I think that this movie, I guess both in terms of story and in terms of production was maybe the best world building that I've yeah. had in out, out of any of the MCU movies so far. I'd say in a while. I wouldn't say so far. Yeah. I liked it. And I think it kind of stands to, to reason that they're getting to this point where they're kind of allowing more divergence from the original feel mm-hmm. of the MCU. And we obviously we saw a ton of that in whenever fucking Thor came out in the fall. Cause that was a big, like big, big step to be very, very colorful compared to the usually fairly muted gray kind of tone of most of the movies. And I guess Mm -hmm. 
and it started kind of in Guardians and Spider-Man was a little bit more colorful than like Civil War. Like Civil War is very muted and then it gets mm-hmm. more colorful as they go out. So I think the production design, they've kind of taken their hands off a little bit and been like, it is comic books. Let's have some fun with it. Let's do more colorful stuff. And Black Panther fit right in with that. There's all that tons of purple and like gold and stuff like just in the frames regularly as opposed to like just when mm-hmm. the costume is on kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of what they used to do was like it only gets really splashy with color when they get into uniform yeah. whereas they're, they're not doing that anymore it's just like always like yeah we can have these day glow big vibrant colors on screen and like frame around that kind of stuff as opposed to muting it until they put a fucking suit on so. well, which is maybe something that they've started borrowing from the netflix series because they play on that really heavily they didn't at first though when you go back and look it wasn't till like i mean jessica jones did it Just, like color yeah. color color keyed everything and- very quickly but like the first the first daredevil was pretty straight and like with, with hints of red more throughout yeah. it, but they got really heavy into it eventually too. And, but that's like, it's a visual medium that they're translating into another visual medium. So like take the strong points of comic books and translate it over and like big, bold color that like draws you in. Yeah. That's something that you can pull across, right? Like as a designer, that's, and like, it's a comic book trick that yeah. they're translating to screen, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Crossing mediums. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have anything else in particular about the production design or like character design or world design or anything like that that really stood out? Aside from the fact that I feel like we are like the only podcast that spends this much time on it. But. <laughs> there we go. It's our niche. I, I really yeah. appreciated the uh, the costume design and the amount yeah. of um, effort that went into representing as many different cultures as possible because something that I was slightly like concerned about was that you know i hope you can hear the air quotes cheap no not that it was going to feel cheap that it was going to be a stereotypical representation of what Mm -hmm. people like white people thought black culture was as a like blanket statement do you know what i mean i think that was the danger but i think once you hire ryan coogler to direct it you have this cast in place like they did a really good fall navigated (laughs) and i don't and i'm not sure i'd have to look up and see like if the production staff was also like predominantly like they were there must have been a lot of yeah a lot of african things there yeah. My point being, though, is that it, I was worried they were going to pander to an, a wider audience expectation. Well, they're already, the thing is, though, they're doing that just by putting the Marvel label on the top of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, you can almost get away with anything now and just be like, it's a Marvel movie. Go see it. And like a billion people are going to go see it. And if it's a good Marvel movie, it makes a $200 million opening weekend like this did. But this also like now they can just be like, yeah, it's just it's Black Panther. So it's African like. It's Thor, so we're going to see all kinds of weird shit. Like, it's Guardians, so again, you're going to see all kinds of Star Wars weird shit. Like, you get to do that now in this universe where you did not get to do that before, and that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. True. So, I, But my point is that I thought that they, you know, I thought it was interesting that they showed, like, the people with the lip discs. Yeah. Yeah. That's not something that I was expecting to see. Yeah. Well, and in the trailers. Yeah, but, I, but, but it, you know what I mean? It's like, jarring. It's not whitewashed in any way, you know, quote unquote whitewashed. Like it is really, yeah. you know, they're not dumbing it down or like diluting it. Yeah. Yeah, because I definitely spent like a solid hour that night looking up those lip discs, like the historical significance of them. Because I was like, I know like what they are and stuff like that. But I was like, what exactly? Like, yeah. I couldn't remember what it was. I had to go back to my old like art history text and be like, why do they do that? Cause there's a reason for it. And but. again, that was my point was that we were seeing like things that weren't being like pointed out. They weren't being made to be anything except that they were just a natural part of the world. They were just a part. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. of the world. There was nothing to be like spectacle of it. It was just there. And I think that that takes a lot of work to make that seem natural wherever it is for an audience of people who have not seen that kind of reality before. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that that sort of transitions into what I wanted to talk about next, which is representation, which was obviously incredibly fucking important to this movie. And I thought done just amazingly overall, both representation in terms of gender roles, representation in terms of cultural roles. Yeah. Like the fucking Christy already mentioned, the female characters overall were just absolutely phenomenal and not treated you know, as though that was something special or unique or anything. It was just, that was the way that it was. Yeah. And then, I mean, just all of the different tribes and stuff like that were all pulling from different actual cultural traditions in different parts of Africa and stuff like that. And, but without pandering, without, you know, without diluting it down and sort of making it digestible for Western audiences kind of thing. And the one character that I thought that that would have been easiest to fuck up and sort of treat, I don't know, I don't know, I, I want to tread really lightly here, would be Umbaku, the, you know, a, the J- Jandori, whatever, tri- Jabari, tribe leader, and they are the ones that, like, identify with the apes. And there's mm-hmm. obviously... Yeah a lot of racial tension between, you know, black people being referred to as primate kind of thing. So, yes. yeah, uh, they actually, they totally sidestep because he does go around in the comics or has in the past go around. I think it's ape man is his like code name in like in like an ape pelt or something like that. It's, and it's bordering on it's, that. Yeah, absolutely. So it is yeah. very much like, yeah. So yeah, the super villain called man ape in the comics, which I was just like, I really hope they don't go with that. And they did not, obviously. <laughs> cause, oh, shit. That's <laughs> not good. But uh, they sidestepped it gracefully. Yes. Well, so I don't think they know. sidestepped it. I think they embraced it in a in a way that was appropriate. They integrated yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. that's yeah. a very... I'm just, saying, I'm just saying they didn't go out and call the black man in the movie <laughs> no. Man Ape. At any or, point, you know what I mean, like monkey the, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, or, that like, just kind of real bad. Past that, because that would have been <laughs> that would have been a little. Uh, I don't know. Uncomfortable. But it's also, it's also about way. not ignoring that. You know, n- not pandering to that fear, which I think is impressive for a studio this big to take on something like that for the audience, like that they know they will be engaging with. Like that's a, mm-hmm. a very smart risk. Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. I agree. And I'm glad yeah. they brought the character over because he does factor pretty big into like Black Panther's like comic book history. So it, it was like they could have just ignored it completely. And because that would have been an easy thing to do, given like that character's history and stuff. But actually integrating it, I think, is actually a pretty bold move, first of all, and awesome because it, it allows that expansion of the world into like the other tribes and stuff like that. You're getting to see what life is like, not just for like the royal family in Wakanda. You're getting to see like what how everybody yeah. kind of lives a little bit. So. Even the ones who have chosen to not like integrate into their society. Well, kind that of was thing, the other so. thing that I really liked is that they showed the cultural difference between being raised privileged and in this like society as a black person and what that made someone who grew up, you know, with in poverty. But like it, what I just uh-huh. thought it was so smart that they did that between two black men. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't white guy yeah, versus there, black was, guy. The power thing, was right? between. Yeah. Yeah. Two very, very different black men. Upper class black yeah. guy versus, you know, 
guy from the the streets kind of thing. And I think that's important to like showcase that you know not all upper class people are you know white guys like there was just there was a truth in the you know the pain that killmonger yeah. felt when he looked at t'challa yeah absolutely you know classism goes across races race yeah. you know, racial lines it's not just yeah absolutely i mean we've already gone over a lot of like the really great representation but did you guys have anything in, else in particular you wanted to highlight i just i oh, mean no. like it's not really my place to be talking about this <laughs> yeah, kind of stuff this is it, the part of the weird this is like this is yeah. one of those awkward things we get to do every once in a while where it's like we are three white people talking about a <laughs> very black movie and like yeah. the cultural ramifications of it, which I mean, what like, I mean, yes, there's the stuff about the women that like Christy can argue to, but like, w- what does my opinion matter? And yeah. it's the same as Wonder Woman, right? It's like, yeah, I can, I judge this movie based on its relationship to the MCU because that's what I can do as frame a comic book fan. And yeah. that's my frame of reference for it. So when it came, comes to like, how awesome is this for representation? I'm super happy that it happened and that everybody gets their own superhero now. Like everybody can look up on the screen and see somebody they identify uh, with. That's still fantastic. needed an indigenous superhero, which I saw the comic is coming out. Did you guys hear about that? Oh, fair enough. There's been indigenous superheroes. Not, not with yeah, appropriate representation. And yeah, well, not to the point where it's on a big screen like this either. So I yeah. mean, but I mean, like baby steps here. Like let's let we, we yeah. But no, there's a there's a comic coming out with an indigenous yeah, the, lead. One of those happens every ten years. Well, so. there's been Scalp Hunter for uh, came out recently. Oh as well. my god! Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you mean, Johnny Depp playing uh, Tonto? Wasn't he's got a. It yeah. makes me so angry. Yeah, it just so. makes me so angry. Does Disney maybe made up for that with this. Uh, I don't I don't give Disney any this credit isn't for Disney. I don't give I mean I know Disney owns everything now. I don't give them that much credit for what's going on in the MCU. <laughs> I feel like they're just kind of like just keep making us money. Yeah. That's what they want. I feel like that's kind of what's happening now. So Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Let's uh Just another derail this and just fucking drove us into the ditch. Yeah, so. no. Uh, well, I, I wanted to kind of jump tracks anyways to something we haven't really talked about yet, but that I felt like was a really big part of the movie, which was more than any of the MC movies in a long time. The soundtrack and the score both complemented this movie really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We're going to talk about the Kendrick Lamar soundtrack. That's just like... Fuck yeah. Fucking, yeah. First of all, burning up charts. Like, it's, it's very, very yeah. popular right now. And actually remarkably good, too. Like, it's a fun listen, so... Yeah, it is really good and very rare these days for, I mean, obviously they'll release albums from the score, but a lot of the time they'll just use like, you know, songs that have already been recorded. But as we talked about before, like this had an this actual album that Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar put together that is, you know, one of those like movie songs from and inspired by, which almost never happens these days and is really like this is was the perfect place to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of the score and the soundtrack, or and like that that album, both have like really cool, both African and African American like influence and beats and instrument instrumentation going on in it. Yeah, I was just, I mean, I wanted to note that because uh, the Marvel movies, maybe the last couple of years, the soundtracks have been like, eh, whatever, it's there, it works. But well, I mean, like there's, there's the ones where they really integrate it, where like you get that Iron Man like. ACDC yeah. connection or the Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. stuff at this point is just kind of like you know every one of those movies is going to have like a a greatest True. hits kind of like retrospective yeah. style soundtrack at this point. Yeah, it'll um, be on Spotify and everyone will know at least three songs from it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Whereas this was like all well, most I think it was all new material. I'm not. Yeah, it was, it was just so, yeah. really like it was a tight soundtrack. 
Yeah, it was a yeah. Good, it, it's a really good like it's actually a fun listen too. Like it's got a good through line, which is rare for soundtracks. One of my problems with soundtracks, they don't usually hold together real nice as albums. Kendrick mm-hmm. did a good job putting this mixing this together so that it holds tight thematically as a record. So I was pretty happy with it. And there's songs on it that actually like deal with content in the movie too, right? Yeah. Like it's you know, they're dealing with subject matter from the movie, like they mention like T'Challa and shit like that. Yeah. And that's really uncommon as well. Yep. Yeah, I, I didn't want to finish this episode without uh, talking about that. Very last, before we get to the gripes, and I'm sure we each have, you know, maybe one or two, we have talked about uh, villains, but I want to go more in depth into mm-hmm. that because they fucking nailed that in this movie. Yeah, I was I was expecting it to not be as thorough as it was. Like, I because it's a Marvel movie, I kind of don't expect the, the villains to be remarkable at the end. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Overall, with I mean, there's certain exceptions, but like, I mean, yeah, Loki is more interesting than most characters, but they practically made him a hero at this point anyway. Like, he's still kind he's of... He's an anti-hero. And they keep going back to that well. Yeah, and they keep going back to that well because he's the only character they've really established. And then we just had... Uh, like, Hela was really good, if a little arch, in Ragnarok. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely think... Actually, they've been pretty good, with the exception of Ego this year, who was a little... Ego was on the nose Last year, yeah. Yeah, he was a little on the nose. And Vulture was pretty good, but... Vulture yeah. was... I thought Vulture was... One of the better Marvel villains so far. Not that that's saying much, but I thought he was really good. Yeah. I like Michael Keaton. So whatever. And him playing anything like that. Like he was very, very, like he was convincingly menacing in that movie, which I thought was really good, but not to the same degree. Like I was like Michael B. Jordan was fucking intimidating in this movie. Well, what was, I thought was interesting about Michael B. Jordan's performance is that he used intimidation and skill, like actual skill. Like he had gone his whole life training for this moment and like in a way that made him accessible because you could see like he was so pained like yeah the way i think that's what made him such a good villain is that he was timely too like the viewpoints that he had are ones that a lot of people currently share right now yeah and it was it was almost creed just shifted into the mcu yeah, like it was also his character, you know, which obviously was also Ryan Coogler. Yeah. That being said, it it fucking works. It's it's spot on, like the same kind of character, you know, where he's got something to prove and he's got this father figure he's trying to live up to. I'm sorry, who's and, Creed? Yeah, the Rocky <laughs> movie that had uh, was B. basically Jordan. yeah, it was it was sort of uh, Michael B. Jordan played Apollo Creed's son, and Rocky goes back and trains him. Oh, I yeah. didn't. I've never seen a it Rocky re- movie. It was really movie. good. Sorry. It was Ryan Coogler's last movie, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah. it went right from Creed to this and directed yeah. Black Panther right after. You should watch it. It is. I don't like sports movies. I have not seen any Rocky movies. Uh, yeah, you don't need to see any of the other ones to see this movie at all, I don't think. Not really. But it was probably, I mean, you maybe for one, context, one and two. For context, one and two, yeah, I guess. But like, I sat through Creed without really, like, I hadn't seen the Rocky movies mm. in years, and I was like spellbound by how well put together it was. Like, it, it didn't get into the Academy Award nod at some, like, for best picture last year, I feel or like it did. It best was adapted screenplay or something like that. Like it got, it got a lot of kudos. It was a really okay. good movie. So, and I hate, I don't, I don't do sports. I think we, we've always, yeah, I'm not a big sports person. But this no, is a really, really good movie. So, I would recommend it if you, if you see it somewhere and you can just like flip through it real quick. Like I would definitely sit yeah. down and watch it. It's well worth it. Okay, and especially if you like Michael B. Jordan's performance in this, I did. I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah. He gets even more to work with in that. So yeah. he does a really good job in that movie. So 
Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I really liked that he was he was flawed and like so multi-depth. Like he was it was such and just a, so broken. So broken. Yeah. And like just but the thing was so powerfully broken. Like I was holding my chest like watching the fight between him and T'Challa. Like the first one. Um, the first one yeah. where they were at the water. Yeah. I was like, "Oh fuck," cuz I knew that T'Challa was going to fail. You knew. You had to know. Except you didn't know he was. You knew he wasn't going to die because we've seen the fucking event. Uh, yeah, Infinity War trailers. Infinity War yes. trailers. <laughs> but the the fight itself, like their fight choreo and the way he yeah. was like yelling at him and shit, I was like, ah. I actually think those two fights were the best ones in the movie because like they yeah. didn't have. My problem with them, like a lot of it, is like as soon as they get into costume, like their faces are completely covered. So there's, it's just, it just reads as, like video game characters to me. All of a sudden, like there's no, yeah. Emoting, like properly yeah. whereas you can get like spider-man can act through a mask because he's got like the eyes and he's got the lenses and stuff yeah. right but like and like for the most part if they're going to do that they start they really take the masks off a lot in those movies i felt yeah. like in this one especially especially in that last fight they did not take the masks off a lot so it was just like two cgi cat action figures kind of bashing against each other and i was like it looks cool for what it is but it just it it felt lightweight compared to the fight they had on like on that waterfall, whereas yeah, because they were like, there's just the two of them really brawling and yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I still think the best effect and shot in the whole movie was him taking off his shirt and having all those scars and shit on him. That, that was, was like, so cool. Yeah, yeah. It was fucking really cool looking. So while we're talking about that fight, though, I even though I knew that he was going to survive, I had a thought there that I was like, you know what? It would be really fucking cool if they did kill T'Challa and had like yeah. either Nakia or or his sister. Uh, pick like up the mantle in? instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that I thought that would have been really, really cool as well. That would have been some interesting storytelling. That's for sure. Percent could still happen. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they could yeah. do it in the next movie. He could die in Infinity War for all we know. Like it doesn't. No, they won't kill him off. They can't yet. That would be. No, they're gonna kill somebody in Infinity War. Wow, they're and killing a big cap. gun. They're killing a big gun in cap. Infinity War. Yeah. I think it's. I, I I actually think it's gonna be Tony, but that's. We can argue about that later. I think it's going to be Cap. I would rather it be Tony. I think it would be more impactful if it was Tony. Although Tony already had like his, you know, I sacrificed myself moment in the first event. Yeah, Tony movie. has sort of near death experience. Well, it, like historically, the Infinity, like the the Thanos fight, especially the first time, is like a Cap. Yeah. It's a big Cap moment. Like the only reason Thanos can't beat him is because his will is indomitable <laughs> or whatever kind of comic book horse shit they throw at you for that kind of fight. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I would yeah, so. How cool would it be though if he was like my will, blah blah blah, like I, and then Thanos just kills him, and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> I would love that. Just vaporizes him, fucking sanctimonious prick. I'd be fine with it. Like that'd be an awesome <laughs> subversion. Yeah, yeah, that'd be an I awesome that subversion. And then Tony's got to take him just, down regardless. Just unibeams the shit. Out you of know, him. Tony will fight dirty. Kind <laughs> that of would thing. be amazing. Yeah. It would just like yeah, hurt everyone's expectation. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be more I'd actually be more curious to see yeah. how fucking pissed off Thor would be at that point too cuz Yeah, Thor would lose like, it. lose his mind. Like that's what I'm looking forward to like in the next one is all these characters now having interacted and are all kind of friends yeah, like when one of them falls, how do they react? Like that's going to be that's yeah. going to be an awesome scene well, to like kind of live with. So That's kind of interesting too because if you think about it, we're going to see some interesting some interesting shit happening if like any mm. of these actors just don't want to do anymore, you know, like th- there's talk of Chris Hemsworth was kind of like looking for a way out until they did Ragnarok. Yeah. Ragnarok. Yeah. But now so, he's like, in. So it's all about just like making sure these guys are happy and they'll just stick around in perpetuity, but like, <laughs> or just 
dump trucks of money, mm-hmm. like in our DJ's case, yeah. right? Like, yeah. So, but it's just kind of interesting that, like, you know, the comics might say one thing, but they're going to go with whoever makes sense yeah. um, contract wise. Well, absolutely. I assume, like, whatever phase four is, is like next to no big three Avengers. Yeah. And then it's going to be Stephen Strange, Black Panther, Spider Man, and throw in whoever you want, I guess, yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like, that's going to be the new big three, I think, going forward. Yeah. And probably, honestly, within a year or two, probably have Logan in there somewhere too, like a recast yeah. Wolverine as part, yeah. you know, part of your big four. So I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch will stick around as Doctor Strange forever he's, in the same way. He's, he's, he's tied in. Yeah. Like, he's tied into one of those big movie, like nine contracts. Yeah, oh, did he's, he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They signed him in for like at least five movies. So That surprises me that he like agreed to that because he's... Well, I guess he's kind of slowed down in the last year or two. Yeah, he hasn't been doing as much of the like sort of indie kind of uh, movies lately. But I hope they bring Sherlock uh, back. And there's no no more Sherlock. Yeah, there's no more Sherlock on the horizon, right? Now. Well, well uh, the last the last thing I heard was Martin Martin Freeman was getting interviewed for Black Panther, and he said it's on hold, and he's happy it's on hold because they want to come back to it, but they just want to like give it. They got so much other stuff. Also, to do. the last season was shit. Well, there's that too, <laughs> but also like now both of them are tied into the MCU. Like they're both. Yeah pretty locked into movies now because he's going to be in both the avengers sequels oh. as well as benedict cumberpatch he's pretty so, much he's cumberbatch. pretty much the replacement uh what's his clark face Greg. agents of shield clark Gregg. yeah yeah yeah. yeah sorry that's what yeah, i was trying Coulson. to remember i was like i know that's the actor's name but i was trying to remember who they all still think is dead mm-hmm. yeah for some reason <laughs> which is really bizarre <laughs> but yeah so i mean we we talked at length about killmonger fucking phenomenal villain but i was really happy with claw with uh, andy circus as the yeah, I, tier villain. I, thought, I liked him i thought he was nutso bananas but that's the whole point no i like too cartoony too cartoony for to me see by, with, by his, country. with his with his native accent True. you get to that's see him acting accent? like in real life yeah, yeah he's south african and he was what? fucking ripped. I didn't know he was South African. Yeah, he's always been. But, like, think about the kind of work he does. He has to be ripped. Like, he's such a physical actor he's, that he's going to be whatever. Like, but he also probably put up. He did put he a, a good chunk of weight on this. But, like, I don't, I don't think him. Like, he's not wandering around with a fucking pot belly nine times out of no, ten. No, you know no, what no. I mean? Like, he's in pretty good fucking shape. I think he put on more muscle for um, initially because he was playing Caesar. Yeah, I think that's oh, where it kind of yeah. started, too. Yeah. Because, see, like, when I see, I saw him got interviewed pre that the planet of the apes movie coming mm-hmm. out and he was fucking like he had no neck yeah like he had the traps that they all end up I getting was, kind of yeah thing. i was joking that he uh he rented out orlando bloom's neck from the hobbit movies it's entirely, <laughs> it's entirely possible he, did. he had no neck especially in this one i was like that shirt's not fitting properly because his neck is he obviously put on weight in between like getting fitted and then like actually shooting because like those shirts were tight so but yeah in that season where you had ross interviewing claw all i could think was riddles in the dark all i could think was bilbo and Gollum. oh yeah it was it was pretty funny that it was bilbo and Gollum like sitting across i know i loved it i loved it the two tolkien white guys in the movie yeah exactly that that means going around for a while but i love it Yeah. yeah no that's it's true though yeah. One thing. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say one thing I really liked about his performance was that to me, it was the what they were doing was they were setting up in the right way. They did Luke Cage backwards, you know, with villain wise. <laughs> yeah. Like they introduced <laughs> they introduced the more campy villain yeah. to give you a bit like for people who didn't know the story to throw you off the scent that he was the villain because he was such a camp villain. He was just like, I am evil. This is like everything about me is yeah, insane. Crazy. All and I want is money. Crazy. Yeah. 
See, that's why I thought it was a little too over the top. Like when he gets into the car after the casino fight and he's like, oh, what are we at a funeral? Put some music on. I was like, dude, come on. Here's the thing, though. (laughs) Even though that was a little ridiculous, it was all with the intent to make Killmonger seem that much more like terrifyingly together. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's important is that they wanted and also it was, again, maybe going back to a bit of a, a racial standpoint that it helped to play up the insanity and the brokenness and the the brilliance of Killmonger in that there was this nutso white guy who just was doing it for the power, whereas Killmonger was doing it because it was his people. Yeah, for passion yeah. and for family. Yeah. And, so yeah. I, yeah. His, and his right. I think I agree. Yeah, I agree that Andy Serkis was, you know, playing up the ham. Yeah. But I think it was with a, a genuine intention. I, yeah, I agree. I think it worked, but I don't know couple moments that were almost Shatner-esque in terms yeah. of how hammy they were. So I was like, this is a little much for my my taste. But like, yeah, I, I guess it was. I mean, it was fun. It's just like it got by the time they killed him. I was like, yeah, you were ready okay, for I'm him to die. Yeah, I was ready for him to go. I was like, because when, when he shot him, I was like, oh, they're killing him already. And I was like, wait, no, you're happy about that. Because yeah. like, it's over. Like, he's <laughs> he's done way more than he needed to do in this. Movie, well, he so. couldn't sustain that kind of nutsoness anyway. Yeah, I was disappointed well, that they killed both of our major villains in this movie. Like, I would have liked to have yeah. had one of them survive. I don't really care which one. I think it could have been done where Killmonger survived and it was still impactful. You know, if he was, if he was, yeah, mm-hmm. like reformed or something. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to find a way to kind of loop him back in, mm-hmm. but like, I understand why they didn't. But yeah, uh, yeah that that's that's a disappointing one because like. Black Panther's villain gallery is not exactly like as expansive as some of these other characters. So losing Killmonger and Claw in the same movie is kind of like, especially when they have a couple sequels planned, it's like, well, what are they going to do next? Cause there's not a lot of other people out there to fight unless you just get super involved with the MCU mainline stuff and like takes on some, Marvel, like more like kind of Marvel at large villain. I mean, there still could be a, a Jabari Mbaku fight as well. Yeah, but that's not like there's still some tension there, but he's he's not super powered. Like he's not that's not really a fight anymore, you know what I mean? So yeah. and he can't like he can't lose the powers to have those challenges happen because he can't get the power back, right? Because like the well they burn the that's, garden. That's retconnable pretty easily. Yeah, probably. But Mark you Mark's already yeah, Mark's already moved on to gripes, so let's uh, all move on to gripes. And uh I think we'll go to Mark first because I have a feeling he's going to have more than Christy and I. Mm-hmm. or more severe anyways yeah my main gripe was really just like the action sequences felt a little fell a little flat for me like that was my big thing with the exception of like the fights that happen on the waterfall as soon as he's in costume everything felt like zero impact and i'm not sure if that's a special effects failure or if it was just like we've already seen him do the car chase thing in civil war so like they were kind of going back to the same trope they've already introduced with oh, him. i really like that car chase scene yeah that was i thought my it was, favorite car thought chase it was scene in a long time really because like it felt it felt almost exactly the same to me in terms of like in terms of what he did mm-hmm. it felt almost the same to me as what he did in civil war and i was just like i just saw this like yeah. a year ago so why are we doing this again that being said like the the way the other characters yeah. were handled in that like his his guards and stuff like that were, were really cool but like I don't know. It's like some of the self-driving, like the the remote driving car tech. I was like, well, that's now we're getting into sci-fi land. It's a little bit even further than I'm used to with these kind of things. Like it, it pushed a little further, which is fine. But it, it took me a second to be like, wait, what? Like there's no yeah. lag. That's 
weird. Oh, but okay. fucking Okoye uh, throwing that spear through the front of that car and it just it was like, that, that was cool. Was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. Like all the fights like happening around the Black Panther stuff was yeah. fine. It's just like the actual Black Panther fights. I was like, with the exception of kind of like the the hunter thing at the beginning, but even then the effect shots kind of didn't work for me. Like when they flashed the light on him up in the trees, I was like, ooh, that's bad. The the compositing was bad. It looked really fake to me. And I'm like, oh, well, now you've done, you've blown your establishing shot and like, I'm fucked up, blah, blah, blah. But like, I just felt anytime he was in costume, it felt a little antiseptic to me. Like it didn't connect quite as well as any time when he was like, like on the waterfall fighting or like just any of the other characters were fighting. Like I was more interested at the end having them kind of like fighting with the army and stuff like that. And the rhinos, then like the two of them down on the train track, I was like, I don't care about that. Go back to the top and let me show me that fight. Cause that has more weight to it to me than this fight does. So the only, like I'll agree that there was some action that I wasn't too big on. And the one that really stuck out for me and that I was like, uh, this is kind of disorienting and kind of tough to follow was the casino fight, which wasn't a scene where they, where he was in costume, but it was just, it was so close quarters and kind of like it had that same feeling as the, what's the scene, the, the green goblin, like Spidey getting pulled along on the glider thing from like the second Spider-Man movie that that was making everybody sick. That was in three, but yeah. Okay. Spider-Man three. Yeah. But that being said, I think for this being like Coogler's first big like action and comic book movie, I thought it was a really admirable appearance overall for the action stuff. And I liked the casino fight because it felt like something out of a Bond movie or like a Jason did, Bourne yeah. movie more than it felt like something out of one of these superhero movies. Like that whole, actually that whole segment, I was like, wow, I'm watching a James Bond movie all of a sudden. Like it really shifted tone really mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And even the, even that car chase scene, with the exception of him flipping around in his costume, it felt like a James Bond car chase, like with the toys and all the tech and all that kind of stuff going on. I was like, oh, this is a little bit more James Bondy. I guess it's probably because she does a whole Q segment right at the beginning, like before they go on that yeah. mission. So it did have kind of like that note hit beforehand. So maybe I was mm-hmm. just in that mode. But like that whole sequence, I was like, ooh, a Bond movie. And then it was over. And then it went to something else. And I was like, it, was, it did a really good job of like kind of hopping between genres and like making them feel like part of a, a relatively unified whole. So, yeah. 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 Okay. I I would say my gripe was that I found that they, there were bits of rush. There were some p- parts that were a bit rushed story wise. So like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember what it was that I was thinking about. I meant to write it down because I was like, Oh, I got to mention this on the podcast. Cause it's one of the only things I didn't really enjoy. And I, I think I would have liked more, scenes exploring Killmonger's upbringing like even just a bit more of an extended cut because I, I and I, I found that like I said earlier I was a little disappointed in how quickly the um, relationship between T'Challa and his best friend depleted because of this claw killing like to me that was underwhelming I know I felt pretty timely to me because like that, I mean, that conversation is happening. I mean, Tim's having that conversation every second day about like what to do about shit, right? Like this whole gun conversation is almost the same kind of conversation where it's going to be very polarizing. I know. I know what you're saying and I hear what you're getting at. But for me, it was like they just I found that I, I just didn't I didn't think that his character was fleshed out enough for me to care that his parents had been killed by claw. And therefore, you know, you have to, you have to bring him back here alive so I can kill him. I was like, okay, that's out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> let's flesh out that character some more. But yeah. And then, um, there was a lot of like, I would have liked to see more of his relationship with his father, maybe in flashbacks, but 
I don't know. There was just a, like, I, again, I didn't have a ton of gripes. I thought it was really well done. I just feel like there were moments, like, I, again, I, I would have liked to see more of maybe the decision making process in what's his face, like the M'Baku. M'Baku. You know, like, it would have been cool to see a bit more of that, but I understand that that's coming up for the next movie. So I don't know. We'll see. But to me, it was just like there were there were some rushed elements. And I, I'm, maybe if I remember what they are, I'll write them in the um, the comment section. All right. Fair enough. I had more gripes than you guys did, but like I said, they're really minor. Um, one, Martin Freeman's American accent could have used to work in a couple oh, places. Oh. It was. Yeah. It took me out a couple. It wasn't as bad as as Cumberbatch's in Doctor Strange. Well, he didn't have to use it as much. It yeah. did, that did. I did notice it, but I'm like, they're just going to keep hiring these British fuckers to play Americans. So like, we're just going to have to deal with this. I think going forward because they want those British guys to be in these movies. So yeah, and like, I don't find it as I don't ever understand why they're just not like, especially in that case, like, I mean, the Stephen Strange one was a little bit like, just leave him. It would, he would make, he sound even more obnoxious and prickish if he had an English accent. It's true. You know what I mean? At that point. And then like Martin Freeman, like it, it's really easy to just be like, he's on loan from MI6. So he's British and like not have to deal with all this. Like I'm American, but I talk like, I, I really hit those R's hard. You know what I mean? Like, no, don't do that. Just let him be British. But whatever like they want yeah. these guys in there and they want them to sound american so they're gonna keep fucking pretending to do it until somebody's just like can we stop can we stop doing this because it sounds ridiculous but yeah yeah part of me wishes more of the movie would have been subtitled i mean obviously they're not actually speaking english in wakanda i understand why they did it you know it's accessibility it wasn't gonna have the same you know it wasn't gonna reach the same audience if most of the movie was subtitled but it that's the only thing that sort of took away from the representation for mm. me. Yeah, like I I get it's where you're minor, coming from, but, but like they're just they're never gonna do that. You know what I mean? I like know. it's just not gonna happen. I mean, I know. Look at look at how much shit Star Trek Discovery got for subtitling like, that Klingon. Yeah, yeah like, using all that. They took so much shit for people because people were just like, I gotta read. Don't want to do that. It's like, well, fuck. All right, fine. That's, <laughs> that's such a dumb. Excuse. That's why your country's in the state it's in. But like. My biggest complaint with that is that they used a shitty fucking font for the captioning. Oh, on Discovery? Yeah, they used a fucking serif font. Yeah, it depends on where you're watching it. But yeah, yeah, the all cap serif that it's all Trajan Pro. It was not a good look for them. So yeah, I I was going and looking for, I think I was getting them off somewhere else. Oh, the Crave TV, like the the Canadian site was using like a standard like sans serif. That's funny that they wouldn't have hard coded them. I guess they, yeah, or at least for for the for the English speaking markets. Let's uh, let's wait till next week. Yeah, yeah. Technically, they're that. supposed Anyways, to uh, um, have a standard font. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think it. They they have not regularly because even in the Marvel movies, like I'll turn the subtitles on sometimes just to like if I can't hear lines and stuff like that. But the font's never the same because like the first couple Iron Man movies use Futura and then they switch to like a more standard. They use Universe for a little while and then. This is the nerdiest conversation we'll have this week, but like <laughs> they've switched typefaces on the the Blu-ray releases of these movies a fair bit. So see, that's crazy to me though, because they're that, like you should be using a sans serif like easy be, block. Yeah, should just be Helvetica sans like like some standard sans serif that's super easy to read quickly, yeah. like Helvetica or even Futura's too geometric, like a universe or something like that, or a Gotham. No, too geometric hard to read yeah i guess in large quantities yeah it's good for yeah. titles anyway sorry it is totally <laughs> off topic black panther Back, and my very last thing uh and this just struck me maybe today or yesterday but i kind of wish that killmonger had turned down the suit i'm kind of i mean there have been so many marvel villains that are just like 
sort of dark versions of the hero in the movie yeah. that have, you know, really similar powers or really similar tech or really similar suit. And that's just starting to become like a played out trope to me. I wish they had done something different with the suit at the very least. Cause yeah, that was something I noticed too. And like, I think it's just at the point now where like, that's just kind of how Marvel's going to introduce all yeah. these guys. Cause like even, I can't even think of an origin movie where it wasn't like the dark Tempted mirror version green. of them. Well, no, but just like having to fight yeah. that. Thor and Loki and, uh, was I, I think they're different still, enough, but I mean, I don't still, know. still Asgardian superpower guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're not that different. Like I guess you could argue like Spider-Man: Homecoming against the Vulture. Like that's a little bit different. Yeah, but that's not technically an origin story yeah. per I mean, se. Yeah, you had Iron Man, Iron Monger, uh, Hulk and yeah. Abomination, Ant Man and Yellow Jacket, yeah. Doctor Strange and Kaecilius who have the same training. Yeah, and even yeah. Captain America and Red Skull are both product of yeah. the Super Soldier Serum. That continued into the second part where like he fought Winter Soldier, who's yeah. just like also another project of yeah yeah another super soldier kind of thing right like that didn't stop till civil war so like they they're doing they're gonna do that in perpetuity the marvel like i don't know why they do that i mean a lot of their big good villains tend to be tied up in kind of on the fox side of things so like Uh they can't necessarily they don't have access to some of their like more mainstream like kind of villains yeah but even street level guys like all the spider-man street level guys they can just toss in as a cold open to beat up are all tied up at sony all the X-Men bad guys that you could kind of toss in front of an Avenger and just yeah. have them like clean their clocks real quick, tied up at Fox. Yeah. So like the Avengers have their team, but they're, they're probably being like, we can't just throw these guys out. Cause some of these guys we still need, even though now it's to the point where like the franchise is kind of way more unified than it mm-hmm. used to be. Yeah. So, and that's one of the, I guess the really cool things that the Netflix shows have been doing and why maybe we're so celebrating the villains on the net Marvel Netflix shows is because those villains like, you know, Kingpin is not just, you know, a through the mirror version of Daredevil. Purple Man is not just a through the mirror version of Jessica Jones, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. See, but yeah, and then when they did do a through the mirror version of it, it failed in Luke Cage, right? Yeah. Like they had they had Cottonmouth who was awesome at the beginning, but when Diamondback came over, it was just like his brother yeah. and whatever. That was and my that, point. That, that was my point. Bombed. Yeah, and that bombed. No, you're right. You're right. You're totally right. Yeah. See, just we're not trying to just state the thing. We're trying to have a conversation around the yeah. thing. Hence yeah. the podcast. No, no, but, I just meant like in yeah. regards to their villainy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like I said, those are relatively minor. They didn't detract too much for me. So that being said, do you guys have anything else before we go sort of uh, finish up and give our final scores? Nah. No? No. I'm, I need I need these three months to just fucking fly by because I want <laughs> to get into Infinity War. Yeah. All right. In that case, score out of 10 for Black Panther. Christy. I would give it a nine. All right. Mark. I'll give it an eight. Okay. I'm sitting nine, maybe nine and a half. Uh, I was really super fucking happy with it. Um, and it might just be in part because I am sort of surrounded a lot more than you guys are with uh, african-american culture and seeing that aspect of it was just really really neat and really special to me uh living where i do so very few missteps and the few that were there did not really detract significantly from the movie so yeah all right well with that we will sign off for the evening thanks so much for listening everybody if you would like to Chime in if you liked something about uh, Black Panther or didn't like something that we have not mentioned. Uh, you could do so on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. Can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. And if you are not already following our podcast, could do so and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store or Stitcher or Shout Engine or most places that you can get podcasts. So 
With that, Wakanda forever. This has been Tim signing <laughs> off. We've got Mark. Say goodnight. Have a good night, guys. And Christy. Good night, everybody. And we will see you next time. Nothing clever, guys? Nah, I'm good. I got I got nothing <laughs> this week. Sorry. All right. That was that was disappointing. I just had a really good time. Sorry. I don't know what you were saying. Wakanda forever. You took it already. That was, it was great. <laughs> good discussion. All right. I'm afraid to say anything racist. You guys made me nervous. The, that should be like the title of this podcast. Is like, I'm afraid Tim, to say Tim, something. Yeah, racist. Tim, Mark, and Chris, you're afraid to say something racist. <laughs> that would be a hilarious title, though. It would be. I might actually use it. Good night, guys. Oh, are we still recording shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>